menos de una hora. Los aviones de aquí se unirán con los del resto del mundo. Y ustedes darán inicio a la batalla aérea más grande en la historia del hombre. De la humanidad. Palabra que tendrá nuevo significado para nosotros. Ya no podemos consumirnos con pequeñas diferencias, nunca más. Estaremos unidos en un interés común. Tal vez sea el destino que hoy sea el 4 de julio. Y ustedes lucharán una vez más por la libertad. No de la tiranía, la opresión o la persecución. Sino de la aniquilación. Lucharemos por nuestro derecho a vivir, a existir, y debemos ganar hoy. El 4 de julio ya no será conocido como una fiesta norteamericana, señores, sino como el día en que el mundo declaró a una voz, no entraremos en silencio hacia la noche, y no moriremos sin pelear. Vamos a vivir, a sobrevivir. Celebraremos nuestro día de la independencia. is not simply an American commodity. Something that they have the whole world over. Why, uh, hello there. Can you uh, notch my microphone down just a hair? Thank you so much. I think the last person to sit in this chair was Dennis Pitzenbarger, who apparently has found no microphone volume that is sufficient for him. I'm sorry, was that out loud? You're just never loud enough when you're Dennis. Uh, why, hello there. It's uh, 3 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of October. In the year of our Lord, 2007, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State uh, Radio. I was going to save that one for Friday uh, when Aaron was in the studio with us, because it is the language of his people. Uh, but I decided just to do it today. That is from uh, Stephen, who sent that to me. Thank you so much, Stephen. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today, and why wouldn't you? 503-733-2970 with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your, uh, your anything, your what have you, your stuff, your odds and ends, your junk, your whatnot, your refuse, your flotsam, your jetsam, your sputum, and other things of that nature. Uh, it is Monday, and welcome to Day 12. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Scotty the J is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your comments about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. First and foremost, we have to say that the television set in the studio is now working. It's crazy. I mean, it's kind of working. The picture sucks, and there's no audio, but it's there. It is. There is actually imagery appearing on the screen uh, here in the studio. So thank God. When did we when did we move into the studio? What month was that? Was that February, January, I think so. March? I think it was right before a year. So I don't even February. So you know, so there you go. So probably in another eight or nine months we'll be able to get audio out of it. 
Probably 10 months after that, we'll be able to play the audio on the air. Through such progress is, uh, you know, is the, heaven, is the kingdom achieved. Uh, it's 503-733-2970 for uh, whatever you'd like to weigh in with uh, today. 503-733-2970. You want to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Scotty J at 970.am. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Here's what's coming up in today's radio program. Before we do anything else, I'll just give you a little uh, heads up about the uh, CNN happenings today. We'll talk to uh, our correspondent, the uh, friend James Roop in Los Angeles, who's talking about some other crap, but I'm pretty sure. Now, I don't know that this happened. Pardon me. A little coughing there. For which I use the button labeled cough, which actually can Tim Riley, cut your audio. When you feel like you have to clear your throat. I'm fine today. <laughs> Thanks. No, you don't, I'm you don't. all recovered. It's all over here on this side of the table. Coughing's all over here on this side of the counter today. Um, anyway, so I, I don't, I'm not sure about this, but I'm pretty sure that one of O.J.'s Weasley so-called friends has already struck a plea deal and has agreed to testify against him. So the idea that O.J. Simpson might be going away for the rest of his natural life is something that gains more and more clarity and realism with every passing moment. So we'll talk to uh, Jim Roop about that. Lisa Desjardins will join us today uh, about, well, we're going to ask her about Larry Craig. I don't think that CNN knows that. I, I think they have her talking about something else. I think this general that said that that Iraq is a never-ending, unwinnable nightmare or something like that. So we'll touch on that, but I'm pretty sure today that Larry Craig uh, has now, I think he's now appealed the judge's decision to not let him. I don't even know how we peel all the layers on this, uh, this legal onion of his, because he was arrested, then pled guilty, then tried to withdraw the plea, then went to court to withdraw the plea, and then was denied, and I think now is appealing the rejection of his appeal to overturn the plea to his arrest. It doesn't matter. It will, I, I, we're going to be able to make uh, gay sex and bathroom jokes about Idaho for at least another day or two. So that's all that matters to me. So we'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins uh, about that coming up later on today. We may or may not be uh, talking to Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. I'm, uh, I'm, un, I'm unclear about that. We're trying to get yeah, because he was in New York last week. Because he's got too much pretension to just keep, you know, it can't be contained by one coast. He has to go and he has to occasionally be smug on the East Coast as well. So we'll see if he's back in town. If it is, uh, we'll be talking to Peter Carlin today. Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, let's see, Penis Watch coming up today. I'm distracted by the fact that this pen, which I love, I am now using the Uniball Signo 27 uh, Micro. It's a fantastic pen. But it's got this whole thing up at the top where you, the button you depress at the top to extend the ballpoint it keeps coming apart. It's because I do this thing about uh, where I compulsively tap my pen on the on the countertop, and it's uh, it, it's and it breaks the seal here at the top, and the top of the pen keeps popping off. I don't know. Could be the Achilles heel in an otherwise flawless writing instrument. Well, in any event, Lisa Desjardins, Jim Roop, top five uh, bands from the 90s that we've completely forgotten about. We'll get to that today. Top five acts from the 90s about whom we have completely forgotten. Uh, Geek Watch, Penis Watch, and what else? Oh, and a big pile of uh, and a big pile of things that accumulated in my head and in my inbox uh, over the weekend. So we'll get to uh, all of that. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at uh, rickemerson.com. And plus, now if you've been to the uh, if you've been to my website today, if you've gone to rickemerson.com, uh, you've seen it sort of alluding to something. So there's a uh, I don't know a little bit of. Uh, 
a little bit of poignant show business. There's an illusion going on. There's, yes. There is a, so well, there's a little bit of show business that we will uh, that we'll take care of. Uh, I don't know later on. There's not a little bit, but just, it's something that's going to be unfolding it's a over big the. Bit. It's a big bit, but I, uh, we'll talk about it here in a few minutes, um, and then we'll it'll be unfolding as the week as the week goes on. I think I think I wrote the obligatory. I think if you go to RickEmerson.com, you will see that I wrote the obligatory. The Rick Emerson Show says goodbye. Uh, so we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, we're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dylan. Why, hello. Hello. How are you today? I see you're wearing I'm, a sweatshirt. I'm a little bummed out. I am. Sweatshirt and... Mm, and last night's makeup. I was going to say, tell me... <laughs> see, I wasn't going to go the makeup way. I was going to say a sweatshirt, and I was going to say, tell me about your hair today. My hair? Yeah. My hair's fine. Yes, it is. That's I took what it, I was well, I took a say. shower. I, I washed it like right before I went out last night, so it's still pretty clean. All right, that's what. That's exactly what I was going to hey, say. Hey, you better watch it, Mister Man. Who got you your ten dollars back last night? No, you did. I exactly. That. No, don't don't be defensive. <laughs> no one can see you here. I'm just making the observation. No, it was a. Uh, what time did you leave last night? Uh, we went to uh, Satyricon to see Nickel Arcade last night. Um, saw them play for a while, and then um, it was my friend's birthday, so we ended up going up the road to CC Slaughter's and watched a bunch of drag queens. All right, then. And then went to the boiler room and did some karaoke. Do you remember what time you got home? It was like 12.30. Okay, really? Uh-huh. It's an early night for you. Well, I'm impressed. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. And woke up this morning at 8.30 feeling refreshed. Growing responsible in your old age. Or just growing old. Was that Kelsey? That was Kelsey. That you went to, uh, yeah, I can see her being at the CC Slaughter. That does. She has that weird, and she is kind of, she's kind of a pixie. She's kind of a weird pixie, but a pixie like an evil pixie. She's a pixie that'll she stab you. She is. No, she's she's one of I have so much fun hanging out with her. She's completely insane. Yeah. And um yeah, so we just Can I say this? If I make an observation about Kelsey and this is not I don't mean for this to be a knock on Kelsey or really on you. It's just something that occurred oh, to me last night. She's at work. All right. So this is Kelsey, uh, by the way, in case anybody knows who we're talking about. Kelsey is a, a friend of Sarah's who has been in a couple projects uh, that, that we have, have been involved in. She was in the film that uh, I worked on for the 48-Hour Film Festival. She's in a music video that Sarah is also in, the Nicodemus song, And It Becomes You. She does uh, some modeling at the place where Sarah models. Uh, she, uh, anyway... Anyway, long story short, so she so she went to see Nickel Arcade with all of us last night. Here's the only observation I'm going to make about your friend Kelsey. If Kelsey was a man, if Kelsey was a guy, she's exactly the guy that you would be dating. That's all I'm going to say. If Kelsey was a guy, you would totally she is she is the female equivalent of the guys you date. That's the only observation. I don't mean that in a bad way. I really don't. I'm just saying. She it's like does. when we were at CC Slaughter's, I said, I kept be, I, like, she's like, okay, so we're a lesbian couple, and I was the, like, she's like, you're more the masculine one, you can be the man. I I'm had, like, no. I had written down, actually, to myself, to ask you if you remembered repeatedly saying to the group <laughs> that you and Kelsey were a lesbian couple. <laughs> no, saying, like, I don't want to be the man, why am I the man? There was a lot of really loud, sort of quasi-awkward conversation between you and Kelsey last night about how you were lesbians and deeply in love. She thinks that it's hilarious to tell everybody that we're lesbians, and I don't know why. <laughs> oh, it is hilarious. She's not incorrect about that. That's a, she is not mistaken on that regard. Well, we'll get back to last night. I made some. I made copious notes last night uh, during the show with Satyricon. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. I wish you make up their mind. Now they see tomorrow's the beginning of the uh, long-awaited dirty bomb day. Yeah, it's no. It's tomorrow they're going to be closing because it's the 15th, right? Right. Yeah, tomorrow they're going to be closing the. No, today's bridge. the 15th. 
Oh, well, I guess it. Well, now I guess it is a day late. Okay. Then. All it's right. It's a day late. So make up your minds. Maybe now, it is starting. You're not telling us. Terrorism is not an exact science. There is a, there's a lack of specificity in terms of uh, large-scale civilian attacks. 6,000 will participate. Many will be a PR, PIR, so we won't even see them. If they say if you do see something interesting that they should know about, call 211. An Oregon plane is involved in an illegal flyover at the president's Crawford Ranch. And Turkey, that country, the country we're talking about, is getting really mad at us for the genocide thing. And they could paralyze through supply lines to Iraq, killing our soldiers. Uh, just like Jaws, an 844-pound shark is cut off the coast of Florida. Ugh. And a new red light camera is being put in at Southwest 4th and Jefferson. All right. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So Somebody that's... took my box. Which box? The recycling box? My... It's right there. Oh, we can't see anything in the studio. It's like two feet away from you. Oh, well, it is It is pitch black. We've got a few lights in the studio that beam directly down, but if you get off center from these lights even even a little bit, you're just plunged into blackness. It's like having a well-aimed Fresnel light on stage or something, and if you step off your mark even six inches, you're just in a big, big black empty. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, I just have a few brief notes. Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about a little bit of a sad show change that's going to be uh, coming up. So we'll uh, we'll get to. I don't mean to be relentlessly teasing it, but it's, won't you bring that up? It's going to it's going to sort of derail everything else. So we'll talk about that, that that here in a second. So I made some notes last night. So last night myself, uh, our friend Squid uh, from Intercom, uh, my wife Lara, and then Sarah and her friend Kelsey. Uh, and my friend Clarissa. And your friend Clarissa uh, all went to Satyricon to see uh, the guys in Nickel Arcade. Uh, they, 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 the Britney Watch theme and whatever. So they were playing last night. So we went to see them, and then, our, and then it turns out that Red Hot Pistol, uh, and we have our own sort of sordid history with Red Hot Pistol, because Red Hot Pistol features our friend Jesse, who brought the placenta to Listener Party 9, uh, and they submitted that horrible Lion's Den song, and they've got a better lead singer since then, so they no longer suck. And mm-hmm. so they, they were there last night. Anyway, so we all went to Satyricon last night, and... I, I won't say just you guys, because my wife is in this boat as well, but you guys, I think, had already been drinking by the time you got there. We had, we had a couple cocktails. Yes, yes, you did. And um, maybe no dinner. No, so just a couple brief observations. Yeah, you already made the observation, but Kelsey was repeatedly announcing that you were a lesbian couple. And I don't, please don't take that. I really did expect you guys just to start making out at some point of the evening, because she just seemed really intense on it. I'm not really sure that she's joking when she says that. That may be a joke on your side of the equation, Sarah, but I don't really know that everybody's gotten the memo. So don't get me wrong. You want to make out with Kelsey? That's between you and your God. I certainly won't interfere with that. I'm just I saying. I really don't want to make out with Kelsey. I don't. Look, I'm not passing judgment. I just don't think everybody's on the same page as far as the, uh, as far as the ratio of joke to serious uh, in that observation. Do you remember Kelsey saying the following things? Sarah, if you were a guy, you'd have a huge wiener. <laughs> um, how about this? Do you remember? Do you remember Kelsey saying that the, the following thing about you, Sarah? Sarah, you're like my balls if I had them. A lot of penis references. Yeah, she was saying a yeah. lot of that last night. You don't remember any of this? No. All right. Uh, well, because that's just how she is all the time, so I don't really like mentally log it. Do you remember Kelsey doing a weird grindy dance against you at one point during the third Nickel Arcade song? No. All right. These are all things you should maybe discuss with her at some point. Just you know. Well, she just so we can clarify the status of everybody's relationship. You know, to be to be fair, she just is going through really. It's her birthday today, 
And um, as of yesterday, she's a single woman after five years. Yeah, this is National Breakup Week, apparently, because Seriously. every single person we know is breaking up right now. So. Yeah, so she just so she needed to go out and have fun last night, and I'm just and we did. I'm just going to make this observation: if you are in a serious, committed relationship with whoever, buy them something this week, take them somewhere, book a hotel weekend, get them a bauble, because apparently there's some sort of weirdness in the air. Everybody we know is filing for split up or divorce papers mm-hmm. uh, this week. So it's yeah, a, it sucks. yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, just a couple other brief notes about last night's uh, event, and then we'll uh, and then we'll move on to uh, the are business. Are you going to say what, uh, how you were describing them? How you were picking out maybe which one was the... Well, I will say this. We went there to Satyricon last night to see Nickel Arcade, because uh, they're good lads. So I I showed up, and uh, and they were all kind of standing out of the sidewalk. And Peter was out there, and he's got this brother that looks a lot like him, who I guess is... I guess they're going to do a song for the... Uh, I hope... A video for the... Uh, I hope there's Vodka in Heaven song. And I guess his brother's going to play Kevin Federline, apparently. But, <laughs> um, but I was trying to keep all the names of the band straight. And so I was busy misidentifying it. I'm like, are you... you are you Eugene? He's like, no, I'm Ben. I'm like, are you Ben? He's like, I'm Willie, Peter's brother. So I was getting everybody's names wrong. And so I was trying to get the names of the band straight in my head. And while I was doing that, his mom came up and introduced herself to me. Uh, Peter's mom, Laura. And she's just like, oh, to have had a mother like that. It really was the most adorable rock moment because... Peter from Nickel Arcade, his mom was there outside with, like, having him pose in front of the sign that says, Tonight, Nickel Arcade. And she was taking all of these photographs of him standing next to the reader board with his band's name there. <laughs> and I said, What? And she's like, I'm saving these all in the Nickel Arcade scrapbook. You know, so she's got this whole scrapbook. Laura and of, Jody? Yeah, his parents, they've got this. Uh, so cute. She's got this whole scrapbook uh, already going for, for when did they're, when they're going to become famous. Um,. But I will say this. Have you ever met a man named Jody before? Once. Really? Yeah, only once in my life. Hmm. And David Allen Coe had that song. Although well, I guess that twice. was about a girl, though. So, well, yeah, twice. Yeah. Jody was Johnny, Whitt- Johnny Whittaker on Family Affair. Is that true? Puppy's the girl who committed suicide. Excellent. Um, that sort of footnote is the reason people tune into this program. I will say this. So we're watching Nickel Arcade last night, and... I, I know that this sounds like we're being insulting, so I don't really mean for it to be that way. <laughs> don't say we. That's you, Mr. Oh, Man. but you were chiming in. I brought it up, but you chimed right in with your own observations. No, you didn't. You didn't bring it up so much as you made a statement. I won't give any specificity to these. I won't. I won't elaborate as to how these statements were coming out. I will simply say that for a few minutes during Nickel Arcade said at Satyricon, Sarah and I were uh, sort of amusing ourselves by speculating on on who in Nickel Arcade. On who might be the Art Alexakis who will eventually push everybody else out? Who? And you had a very strong, like, you had very strong feelings. But to be fair, to be fair, though, we we each picked a different person. We didn't mm-hmm. pick the same person. I picked somebody, and Sarah picked somebody else as as the Art Alexakis who will eventually shaft everyone else out of a. Eventually shaft everyone else out of money and group membership. <laughs> we didn't agree on who it was, but we both agreed that there was somebody who was going to do that eventually. your name now. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, and then uh, Red Hot Pistol played it. They were just unbelievably loud, for one thing. Great band, but goddamn, they were loud. I mean, that's... Yeah, it, I love Satyricon. Jeff, uh, the guy who owns Satyricon, he books really good shows. Oh, no, me. it was a great show, but I just, you know... Loud. And I had forgotten uh, my, my earplugs, and, you know, we talked about this last week. I always try to remember my earplugs, but, of course, the result of wearing earplugs for the last 15 years is that on those rare occasions when I forget them, everything is deafeningly loud because I haven't lost my hearing like everybody else. So I just, I feel, and I'm not drunk, so I feel every single decibel as it mows down my cilia like so many redwoods. 
All right. Uh, I don't have time to get to these other notes here, uh, so we'll have to do these later on in the hour. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's see. We should... Uh, well, where the hell is my... Uh, all right. Let's... Daddy J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me... Good morning, Metolius. Let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Scotty J, our intrepid PA. Hello, Scotty J. Well, good morning, Antelope. Oh, and then I just ha- and then I have to say, what do ants do when they can't get married? Elope. Uh, I have to say this. After all that last night, they didn't play the goddamn Britney song. I know. What, what bunch of crap is that? I know, that's what I'm I finally... a big fan of those guys, but I'll call it like I see it. I was there for Happy a long time, and then as they knew that they weren't playing it, I'm like, all right, we can go Seriously. drag queens now. That's a big load is what that is. All right. But uh, Red Hot Pistol did play that You're in the Lion's Den song. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it didn't suck, because they, the, they have the new guy singing. That Chester Bennington-looking guy. You know who we need to have on is the guy who was the, the bad singer? His name's Sidney Ruin. Oh, the guy who sang The yeah. Lion's Den? You no, know, he's a local, like... He's a local singer. A local suck to... master. Oh, man. We should have him on the show. A, a local a local apostate of all that is good and, and musical. All right. Hello, Scotty J. Well, how's it going, Rick? Well, okay. Sarah, Tim. So, Scotty. so we should just uh, sort of take care of this here at the top of the show. And then we'll be talking about this more as the day goes on, as the week goes on. Um, but so uh, there's just no graceful way to say this. There isn't. But so this is going to be Scotty's last week of the show. Scotty is leaving for greener pastures. <laughs> Well, no, it's true. I'm not trying to be a jerk. And you know what the thing is? Here's the well, thing. Well, greener in some I'm going to go out there and plow some pastures. And not... I'm going to do. That makes no sense. Okay. We'll miss these We'll miss these uh, sort of malapropisms, the, the things that don't fit in at all to what we're talking about. What's, not to make this all about me, but you know what does suck for me is that I am now actually, literally, honestly, going to have to write one of those memos that says... Scotty J is left to pursue other opportunities. We wish him well in future endeavors because it's all true. That's and normally when you say that. Normally when you say so and so is leaving to pursue other endeavors, wish him well, blah blah blah. It's a load, and the guy was caught drinking in a supply closet. <laughs> well, I the guy that was all caught selling radio equipment for crack, and then you had to fire him and take and have a security guard no, stand if over him. No, does that. You just get the um, you know. It's no Captain longer. Bomb is no longer with the company. Yeah, totally. It it is. You're, the, you're the first cast member in the longest time that we, well, we have regrets about leaving. To well, be honest with well you. believe me, uh, it's yeah, it's not easy. Pretty much what it comes down to. There are some people have been on the. Many people have been on the show, Scotty, that are not spoken of. I think it's all about the copy, but whatever. You'll be the only person who's left that Tim misses. That's basically what we're saying here. Tim doesn't miss anybody. Scotty, I'll, give you, Tim. I'll give you a good reference anytime. I appreciate it. I can't say the same for many of them. But just every opportunity just to kick people in the ribs. I am Tim Riley. Let me jam the stiletto Scotty. between your third and fourth ribs. Why did you have to go and get married and have kids and buy houses? <laughs> Why did you have to, go, you have to go do that? Because then if you didn't, you wouldn't have to have all that debt and you wouldn't have all those responsibilities and you could work with us forever. That well, sucks. You know, yes, Scotty. I mean, I may be going, but it won't be forever gone. You know, you just you oh, never so know if our paths might, yeah, you know, I might oh, we'll be able to. Double. Maybe I'll sell my house. Who knows? You can't sell the house that you, that you left. <laughs> Well, sell your new house. You can't sell the old house. If you could sell the old house, you wouldn't be leaving. <laughs> right. 
I'm not trying to be a jerk uh, about it, but I mean, we should. Two, but yeah. I mean, you know, you know. Well, we can't rub in market conditions. No, and and uh, but the the I, reason I bring that up is because I don't want people to think uh, that you're getting the boot or that you don't want to be here. Well, uh, thank or you. Or that you're not doing a good job. Like or when whatever. I was removed and everyone thought that I knew that the station was going off the air. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's the thing is we should give this story. So in case you don't know this, so Sarah, uh, when we were at Intercom, they fired uh, Sarah off our program. Because, and then a week later, because she went on TV, which is because the most she, ridiculous thing. Because she dared to cross promote the station you on know, the television, re- the, the most powerful is, marketing which, medium in the world. Exactly. The reality is that would actually bring attention to the radio show. Well, so you'll never be a general manager with that thinking. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll never be in. You'll never be an Aaron Hubert with that kind of thinking, Scotty. Um, so it, yeah, they had they fired Sarah a week before there was a format change. They fired Sarah, and then a week later they fired all of us. And a lot of people thought that Sarah knew about the format change, and so she ran like a rat off yeah, the Titanic. Yeah, people all pissed at me. Yeah, they, oh, they totally thought that she ran because she knew it was coming down, and she didn't. It was a total misunderstanding. So I don't want that to be a misunderstanding here, that you are not being fired. Uh, and I would say that you don't want to leave. But in the same token, um, what is that line that Bruce Springsteen says? He said, I had debts no honest man could pay. Uh, so, I mean... <laughs> Planes to catch and bills to pay. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you, get, you got a couple houses, a couple cars, a couple kids, and... Uh, <laughs> and ra- a dog and some fish. And radio's just not going to take care of that. <laughs> and right a wife. Now. So, uh, anyway. And a wife. So, yes. you're doing what you got to do. And all of that. So, I don't want people to think that it is uh, acrimonious. Yeah, we think it sucks just as much as you Yeah, guys no, do. it blows. Well, it thank blows. you, really guys. Good. I appreciate it. So anyway, so we will get uh, we'll get calls about that on observations or whatever. We'll talk more about it. But uh, so this will be Scotty's final week with us. Uh, Friday will be your last day, and I don't know what we're gonna do. We'll find some way to uh, we'll find some way to make it memorable. Oh, I have a Maybe great we'll idea. Maybe we'll hold you down and give you a branding. Have I have, you I have a great it? idea. There's stuff in the. There's still wine. Yeah. Right how great is that? Right, we're no. Taking you out well, what don't we do that every day this week? <laughs> but I'm why not, why I'm don't never we touching let, that stuff again. Why don't we call your prospective next employer and let him listen on Friday while we get you really drunk? Yeah. That's a great idea. I think that we shouldn't get him drunk on the other time. Take him out and get him drunk after the show. There you go. There you go. And then we'll just dump you off somewhere to bus station. <laughs> dump How reminiscent. No, let's put him on the max. Kelsey can take it to CC Slaughter's. Hey, I like the boiler room. Let's put him on the question max. <laughs> just All drop right. you up on 82nd. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. Thanks. All right, so we'll talk more to Scotty J. There you go. Scotty J., who's uh, last week on the Rick Emerson program, is last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry he's going. I really am. No, I, and again, we're and not trying to be... contributed a lot to this show. And I don't want to be, you know, we're not trying to be snarky about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, as they say, it is what it is. So I, I just... All of those cliches that they say when someone leaves about, you know, we'll be mixed. Please, you know, please bid him a fond farewell. It's all true. Uh, this is really one of the first times it's happened, I It's true, because normally... We we, don't miss people at all. Normally, they're just dead to us. We we delete their phone numbers, we block their emails, we we pretend we never knew them. Uh, Usually, either we fire people, uh, or people leave, and then we refuse to speak to them, because they become pariahs. Uh, but not so with Scotty. So I think the door will be open, uh, you know, to Scotty. He's a non pariah. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Rick Emerson show door will always be open. I mean, how can you even replace something like Scotty? Something. It's very <laughs> telling that you don't say somebody is something. How can you replace that creature? How can you replace a being, an entity like Scotty J? Literally, he's been a gift from God. You know that. There's not, there's oh, not another one. Yeah, there's, there's nobody like him. No, it's true. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. You folks scared me so bad. 
You scared me so bad. I thought the whole show was going down the tube, you know, because of the whole CBS thing. You know, this they're not, like downsizing oh, no. all This is not the right sentiment. You should be. You should be. Yeah, we won't know. We won't be able to warn you in advance. Yeah, no. I, yeah, if that's the yeah, case, that's I true. wouldn't even know. They wouldn't like like I'd be on the air to warn you about it in advance. No. I think this isn't like some kind of repercussions on that thing with you know Gustav's wife and everything. Foodish. No, you know what? We're glad to have Intercom employees and their spouses listening to this program, and in fact, calling this program. So, uh, yes, yes. So, so. Uh, Swid said that uh, to us when he was out uh, with us on Sunday. What? Oh, really? Oh, fantastic. Good, good. So, um, so uh, is it possible that Scotty might come back as a guest in, the, in, in future broadcasts? You know, he can be a remote oh, yeah. suburban correspondent. The remote, well, you know, or, or just catch him, just go out and, and hook him up with a mic some night, you know, at a dark bar. You know, <laughs> put, a, put a lapel mic on him and set him well, up. Well, well, uh, good luck to you, Scotty. Um, and you've always been a fine screener as well, Kenyatta. And um, I'm sure everybody's going to miss you. And um, I know I will. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun. All right, thank you. Wonderful. All right, get one more. That's true. Good pinata. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. Steve. What's up? Well, Friday is my 50th birthday. I would love to hear Scotty meet Thunder... uh, The the Tropical Thunder Dog? Yeah, Tropical Thunder Dog. Well... That would be the birthday present that I would love. I think we should just pick some place on Friday and just... um, Somebody's big enough to hold some people and just go and and have drinks. just appear there. Yeah, yeah, and everyone can come and say goodbye. We may play, but I think well, on Friday we might play back some of his old drunken show. But well, the actual drunkenness, we'll probably wait until we're off the air to do that. Yeah, the smallest place that would hold you would probably be the Rose Garden or the Coliseum. The, the chance to bid farewell to Scotty would be a big draw. <laughs> all right, thank you, sir. There you go, that's Uncle Steve. Uh, all right, five zero three seven three three two nine seven. Let's take a break here. Come back, Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Coming up at noon, Tim Riley, the new news hour. Jim Roop, top five ninety. Acts we've completely forgotten about, and uh, more about the departure of Scotty J. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. I went back and I updated my blog, by the way. Apparently, I terrified everybody. No disrespect, Scotty. Apparently, I terrified everybody by just putting... You know, the Rick Emerson show says goodbye. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I thought it was sort of a tease. But I guess people thought I was teasing the fact that we were about to be off the air, which, again, we would have no notice of. Yeah, you think they're going to let us on the air after we no. know that we've been fired? <laughs> no. So someday you'll just turn on this frequency and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a whole lot of uh, mariachi sounds. I won't know about that in advance. I'll be sitting at home drinking Yukon Jack. Uh, no, we are bidding a fond farewell to Scotty J, and it is a fond farewell. And I want to dwell on it right now. We have other fish to fry this hour, but we'll be talking more about it, and then we'll lead up to this Friday, uh, which is going to be Scotty's last day with the program. He's going on to, uh, well, bigger and different things anyway. It's, it's hard to, I don't know, bigger and better. It's all relative, I guess. Uh, so, anyway, we'll talk more about that. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, also, the top five musical acts from the 90s, about whom we have completely forgotten. Geek Watch, Penis Watch. But first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, from the hills. Let's welcome now CNN Radio correspondent De- uh, Lisa Desjardins. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I am fantabulous. Wow. Wow. I'm not really Be that good for a Monday. I'm okay. I'm decent. No, yeah. uh, we're all we're all feeling sort of uh, melancholy about the Scotty thing. So what the heck? When did the, when did this come down? Uh, well, we not. Yeah, I knew about it for a couple of days, and then we're you know his last day is going to be uh, Friday. He will be. Uh, I can't believe it. Going on to greener pastures, as they say. Scotty, wow. 
I can't believe it. And he, he was especially um, happy on the as he answered the phone. Oh, that's good to know. Thanks. Yeah. God, you've already moved on, you bastard. Yeah, he were, he's already in his head. He's already checked out. We're, we're already dead to him, apparently. I thought I thought he was just drinking again. Well, the two are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> he doesn't need to be happiness, sadness. The, the, these are all reasons to drink with the sun coming up, gravity, linoleum, doesn't matter. <laughs> Anything oh, I can't you, believe it. Anything you see, really, when you're Scotty, can prompt an alcoholic jag. It's <laughs> just part of his uh, genetic makeup, I think. So, how are you? When are you, uh, speaking of people leaving, when is your last day before you go to Italy? Tomorrow. So, we will talk to you tomorrow and yes. then not after. Yes. All right. Uh, so, do you have, uh, before we talk about actual news here, I know you said that people were bombarding you with wedding thoughts and advice, and you hadn't actually gotten any thoughts about Italy. So, right. Um, so, my question would be, uh, are you going anywhere near the region of Cinque Terre? No, you know, we almost went to, it was between Cinque Terre, which is up in the north, you know, seaside cliff, beautiful, picturesque, ridiculousness, or the southern version, which is Positano down by uh, Capri. So we, we decided to go south. All right, so I got, I have no, I don't have any input, I have no advice. I have never been to Italy. My wife was there a few weeks ago, and I know she spent a lot of time up north, though, so okay. I don't really know that I'm going to have much input to give you. Wow, so, jet setter. As we... Uh, Yes. Uh, and, and by the way, I will say this. I know you're not going there, but she showed me uh, the, all these photographs she took while she was in Cinque Terre. And i got to say, it is one of those places that you can't really conceive that people actually live there. Right. Because it just, I, I don't know how to put this. It, it, this sounds maybe, this is sort of a dense way to, to describe it, but it, it looks like a place off a postcard. Right. I mean, it's insane. And it's weird to think. I mean, they get X number of tourists who come through there, obviously, but they, 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 very clearly there are people who wake up and they live and they, they spend their whole lives and they die in Cinque Terre, which looks like a place that has been sort of scientifically designed by a team of psychologists <laughs> and watercolor artists to be flawless. Right, right. I mean, I cannot, I can't imagine, it's like, um, it's sort of the inverse of my in-laws who were born, will live their entire lives and die in Orem, Utah, you know, <laughs> and you sort of think to yourself, God, what must it be like just to live your entire life in Provo, you know, and to never go anywhere. You spend 85 years shuffling around Utah, which is the worst place on earth, and then you die, and it's just you're completely unsatisfied, and you spent your whole life just wandering around the same bland, uninteresting, coarse landscape every day of your freaking life. Right. And then... But on the opposite end of the spectrum, is a place like Cinque Terre or someplace. It's just, it's, just, it's, it's stunning. So uh, presumably you will be going someplace that is just as beautiful. But as, as the day goes on, we'll try to get some observations from the audience. Have you been to Italy? Have I? I, have I, you know, I went when um, Pope John Paul died uh, and filed some reports and did that. But I was there really for just two days. All right. And that's not really like a pleasure tour when you're covering the death of the pontiff. Right. You know, but it was funny. I actually decided to go on my own and then also did work while I was there, but I, I was the one who said, you know what, I want to go, I want to go. So that that is how Catholic I am. All right, good for you. <laughs> I uh, So we will, uh, we'll get some observations from the uh, from the people. Okay, please, please. Uh, okay, so there are a few things to talk about. Hey, let's, yeah. let's get this first thing out of the way. Um, so there is, tell me about this, this guy, this uh, former commander in Iraq, who came back and was sort of the anti-Petraeus. Uh, he came back, and he, I guess he's getting ready to retire, or he's getting ready to, as they say, transition, not unlike Scotty J, into a new section of his life. Is that what Scotty J's doing? Does he have some sort of command post in Iraq? S Scotty J, Scotty J will be leading our coalition forces overseas. That's fantastic. Um, but, but this guy apparently described Iraq as being some ongoing nightmare, or some the unwinnable nightmare, something. Or there's some words to that effect. 
what is what is going on, especially right now, about Ricardo Sanchez's remarks? He's lieutenant general, and he was in charge of U.S. basically U.S. and allied forces in Iraq. So, in charge of all of our coalition forces for I think two for a year, maybe more, uh, and. He, what he said last week, not only did he say that, that Iraq is a nightmare, but he also said that now with the surge in place, those 30,000 extra troops, we're finally getting it right. The reason people are reacting to that is because this is the same general that people on Capitol Hill say uh, repeatedly told them that they had enough troops constantly, year after year. As things were getting bad, especially in 2004, 2005, and as doubts were growing, and they went to uh, General Sanchez and said, do you need more people? Do you need more resources? People on Capitol Hill are saying he repeatedly said no, towed the line for the war, and pushed back against opponents. Well, now this same man is coming out and saying we needed more resources. So there's a lot of back and forth. There are some generals coming to his side and saying, look, he was he was under orders. He was in a line of command. He was not able to say those things publicly. And now he is giving a very honest and straightforward, important opinion. And we respect him for that. But but it, it is something that is stirring up a, a lot of uh, debate here on Capitol Hill. But in the grand scheme of things, none of these guys weighing in with their, none of it's going to have any effect on what's happening or the push forward forward or the, the drawback. I mean, it's they're going to come out and they're going to say what they want to say and you know, either the GOP or MoveOn.org or whoever will glom onto something and either jump up and down and say that it's right or scream at the top of their lungs that it's wrong. But Everything will just kind of continue as it is. I mean, none of this has any huge effect because it seems like, not unlike about Hillary Clinton, public opinion about the war is sort of polarized and it kind of is where it's going to be for now. It seems that way, and even more so, the votes on Capitol Hill seem to be where they are for now, at least when it comes to the war. There are a couple of potential movements down the road, maybe in a couple of months the Democrats could try again. But for right now, I, yeah, I don't see a lot of movement on Capitol Hill. I think this this comment, though, uh, his words on Friday, it could be important historically when people look back at this war and try and review how the leaders of this war handled it and why. I, I think that could be the most important thing about this speech. But you're right. I don't see it really changing votes here on, in Washington. Uh, a couple uh, other small bits of business that things are sort of coming across the transmit. They say one is... So Fred Thompson seems to have kind of vanished since the debate. Right. Where, where did that get? Wasn't he run for president a few days ago? It seems yes. like he hasn't gone anywhere lately. Right. How about he? He has. He actually. He was. Um, he had one event in New Hampshire over the weekend, and it was canceled. The organizers of the event said that that was because of scheduling difficulties with the senator's schedule. And then just in the last two hours, uh, his folks emailed me his schedule for the next week. And you look at it, he's got, let me go through this, he's got a fundraiser, I believe that's tonight in New York. He is on Fox News tonight, for uh, 4 p.m., I guess 1 p.m. your time if you want to look at it. And then at New York, then three days in Washington, fundraisers and speeches. And then one day of fundraisers in Georgia, then down to Florida on Saturday. So essentially, even though this story, this story has come out, where is Fred Thompson? Why isn't he hitting these key states? Uh, his next week, he doesn't have any stump plans in any key states. The closest it looks like is some closed events, a fundraiser that he has in Georgia. 
But he's essentially doing right now, and you can draw the comparisons however you like, but right now what he's doing is the type of things that many of his opponents were doing probably six, eight, even a year ago, uh, fundraising, making speeches to large groups, those kinds of things. And he's not out uh, shaking hands and really courting the voters. And, you know, the crazy thing, Rick, is this election could start even sooner than we've talked about before. Now New Hampshire is considering moving its primary to December 11th, which is just unprecedented. And that, that's all going to be up to their uh, Secretary of State. He's not really indicating how he's going. But the fact is that Fred Thompson at this point needs to be working the voter. But he also needs money. So he's, he's chosen the way he's going. And his staff says, hey, he's not going to do this. <laughs> I sound like a Washington person. Hey, you know, his Look. staff says he's not going to do this the way everybody else is. And uh-huh. they're sticking by that. Uh, here's, a, here's a little observation I'm going to make. You can pass this along as you're on if you'd like. You can, okay. This is a Rick Emerson. This is not unlike the Nobel Pain Prize. You can. This is a phrase you can use. Uh, to impress others, you don't have to give me credit for it. This <laughs> yeah, is I will I will go I will do a little ghost writing here. You can use this in any way you like, royalty free. Great. Fred Thompson is like the shark in Jaws. They figured out that he's a lot more effective and compelling when you don't actually see him. You know what I mean? Because oh, as soon nice. as as soon as when he does finally come out of the water, you see all the tubes and the Made in Japan label on the side of it, <laughs> and then you you realize it's just a big piece of pneumatic plastic that doesn't work all that well. Uh, but as long as he's not really seen, he's just sort of felt and talked about. He's really terrifying. You know, uh, that was sort of the funny thing about his debate appearance last week that his funny line that it seemed like he had prepared uh, at the end was, you know, I was just glad to get, I can't remember verbatim what he said, but he said, but, you know, before I got into it, it seemed this was really boring. You know, this yeah. is, you guys were really boring to watch before I got into this. And it, it just... Because he's a real firecracker. Woo, yeah, it was yeah. really an unfortunate thing. kind of... Uh, <laughs> okay. um, and finally today, and undoubtedly you've seen this, this is actually from CNN.com, uh, really, the the political gift to talk show hosts everywhere, Senator Larry Craig, yes. said of Mitt Romney today, quote, he not only threw me under his campaign bus, he then backed up and ran me over again. <laughs> no, that's great. There, Larry Craig is a politician unmuzzled. Yeah, well, what has he got to lose at this point? What now? has he got to lose? That's the great thing. I really just want to follow him around and get him to say crazy stuff. That could, I think he will. It, that should be its own reality show. You know it what really I mean? should. I think he is just going to lash out. He's going to say what he wants. And uh, he's going to, no, I'm sticking in, I'm, I'm keeping in office. You can't make, you can't make me. You well, can't because make me. he's now, as of what this morning, he's he's appealed, uh, God, it's so yes. hard to keep this, uh, this simple. He's uh, now uh, appealed. His appeal. He's appealed, yeah, again, this decision from the judge that he right. couldn't withdraw the guilty plea to the arrest. Right. It's essentially like Don Corleone, uh, or it's essentially like, uh, you know, the you're going to the Godfather, you're going above, you're going to the one that you really never go to. Right, right. And, you know... You've, you know, you, 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 Andy Garcia said no, so... I was just going to say, this is like when Tom Hagen says no, and so you appeal to the godfather on his daughter's that's wedding exactly, day. That's exactly what it's like, right. And so you know you know that there really is not much of a chance that you're going to get another decision, but he's given it a try. And there's a possibility he could have another appeal after this as well. It's hard to say. But he's, he's, he is keeping hope alive. You know what? I want to fund, I want to donate to his legal defense fund. Whatever will keep this going endlessly. <laughs> that's what I want. It doesn't matter. And then we we look at the register of all of his donors, and it's all talk show hosts. From it's all talk show hosts and bathhouses, you know? <laughs> Other thing you should know is today the first baby boomer has applied for Social Security. Really? Yes. What's his name? Do we know? 
Yes, her name is Kathleen Casey Kirshner. Really? She was born one second after midnight, January 1st, 1946. Do we know if she danced naked in the rain at Woodstock and <laughs> droned on endlessly about how everything was better in 1968? <laughs> well, she did say she she was a, she's a former school teacher now. She's retiring now. R- short red hair, uh, very well spoken woman, and obviously this has followed her for the last 30 years that she's the first right. baby boomer. And she did say when asked about the problems that Social Security faces, she she had this incredibly optimistic, uh, I think very, uh, hey, man, we're going to get it done kind of kind of view where she said, <sighs> well, if there are problems to be fixed, I know my generation will fix it. Yeah. I have every confidence in the <laughs> we'll get it done. Sure, because they've done such a bang-up job with everything else. Right. Well, they've paid so much attention to it so far, but yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, because the, the baby boomers were all about selfishness. Oh, don't get me started. It's not, you know, I think, but I think this this is an issue of, of ridiculous politics that transcends generations. But it was just very, uh, Maybe. yeah, man, we're gonna take care of it. You know, the interviewed sitting underneath a dream catcher somewhere. Right, right. Of course, she said it very. You know, she articulated it differently, but that's what I was hearing was, yeah, come on, guys. All right. I had I had something really funny that I was gonna end this this whole bit uh. with, and now I can't remember what it is. <laughs> Was it something about Larry Craig? Was it something about the... Uh, and I derailed myself with an observation about uh, all talk show hosts and bathhouses. I forget exactly what it is I was going to say. Not, not Jaws. No, it's, you know, and we're going to end this conversation, and then I'm immediately going to remember what it was. It seemed like I had something hilarious <laughs> that I was just going to bring the whole curtain down oh, on this thing with. But, uh, well, it doesn't matter. I'll, uh, I'll figure it out at some point. <laughs> Okay. All right, uh, we will we talk to we will talk to you uh, tomorrow uh, before uh, before you head off to Italia. So enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk okay. to you soon, Lisa. Fantastic. All right, there you go, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen from CNN. The hell was I going to say? I had something really funny that I was kind of holding back to sort of go bam and just sort of how's it working out? Cherry on the conversational Sunday. No, badly. It's working out badly. Not bad, but badly. Um. All right. Let's see. Uh. What should I be? Really? Okay. Hold on a second. I don't, I don't have the thing for that. Sorry, Scotty's typing me a note on the... Uh, Scotty's typing me a note on the screen. Really? You know, Scotty, who, whoever it is that, that comes in starts in man's uh, your post once you're gone, it's really... Uh, whoever that is, they're really going to have uh, big shoes to fill in terms of uh, like uh, filling the screen up with crap during the program. Let's, uh, One big fiesta for illegal aliens. Yeah, they'll, they can, they'll probably be able to spell, though. Hi, George. You're on the uh, Rick Emerson oh, man, show. I'm just Hold coming on. off a hangover, and I get news like this. I'm very saddened by Scotty's impending departure. Yeah, well, what can you do? I, I, history will prove that he is the best PA the show has ever had or will ever he's have. the only PA the show's ever had. Yeah, and I mean, he's creative, productive, friendly, engaging, uh, amusing. So I'm going to raise a glass to him, uh, make mine a green Melalucci with a two-pronged crown. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. That's fantastic. That's why George is allowed to call in whenever he wants. Excellent. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, let's see. Coming up later on, uh, we have CNN Radio Correspondent James Rupa will join us. Uh, what else? The uh, top five acts of the 90s that we've forgotten all about. Uh, Tim Riley in mere moments uh, at the Ministry of Truth and so forth. He says the Rick Emerson radio program. We're back after this. Whatever Cheryl Lasville, the green man, Lucy of the coupon crown, that was great. I'm not even, I don't even really care for his music, but he just.
just all of his, all of his early uh, spoken word stuff, uh, which is a, a huge, a massive imprint on me. Uh, and I've seen him, I think, twice in Portland. God, the last time I saw Henry Rollins, it was... Um, I saw him at the Aladdin a couple years ago, and then I saw him at the Schnitzer. Uh, Schnitzer, uh, like three years ago. And it was right after he'd worked with William Shatner on the new Shatner solo record. And I, at the time, I wasn't even sure if he was making it up. He's like, he came on stage. Have you ever seen Henry Rollins do his spoken word? He went on stage at 8 o'clock. That guy just makes me feel like such a piker, too, because I don't think he has any material prepared. I don't think, because he doesn't do stand-up. It's not shtick. It's not jokes. He's a funny guy, but he doesn't do, he doesn't get up there and, you know, do, let me tell you about airplane food. He just gets up and sort of makes observation, sometimes funny, sometimes sad, sometimes powerful, sometimes silly. But he talked, I mean, it was him and a microphone and a bottle of water for almost four hours. I mean, straight, no break, no stopping, no intermission. He didn't do some fake-ass encore. Uh, he just walked on stage with one spotlight at 8 o'clock. And I don't think he walked off the stage until almost, uh, it must have been 11, 11, 15 by the time he left. Just one long four-hour seemingly stream of conscious monologue. Just uh, un unreal. So... Anyway, so he's coming to town. I think it's in November. I think he's coming back and doing some. Uh, November 1st. Uh, where at, does it say? Yeah, the Aladdin Theater. Yeah, it's, he's, uh, 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 he's unbelievable. And uh, he, he had all these early spoken word records, um, like uh, Sweatbox and, uh, uh, God, uh, God, what else, Live at McCabe's, and just all of this stuff that I heard, I don't know, when I was about 17, 18, 19, and just had the most profound effect on me. Just a huge, and I don't talk about him a lot because normally when we talk to people, ask me about influences or who it is that had some sort of imprint on my style, that normally they're asking about radio guys, and so I'll mention Rush or, uh, you know, Tom Likas or somebody like that. But, but Henry Rollins really had a really profound effect on me. Uh, in terms of how I talk and how I set things up and how I deliver things. And, and you want to talk about a guy that can take a 30-second anecdote and just make it into, uh, you know, 15 and a half minutes. He's just, uh, he's unbelievable. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Bring back Snowball, a lawyer for the family whose pet deer was seized by the state, filed a petition today asking the judge to return Snowball to their family. This petition filed at Clackamas County Court is one of the last options the family has to have the deer returned from state custody. They're not suing the state. They're asking a judge and not the State Department of Fish and Wildlife to make the final say. The state decided last week that the deer would be sent to a licensed Malala elk farm for the rest of its life. A decision the family does not believe is in the best interest of Snowball. I'm sorry, and I just made the stupid joke, and I don't think anybody heard it because my microphone was turned off. Just pulled it. You were talking about the deer, and I... Did I read it again? No, because it was just... I just did the Homer Doe sound when you said... You said Doe, and I went, Doe. It's not really funny now in the retelling. At the time, it would have been hysterical. Yeah. The, the height of Noel Coward-esque wit. Never mind. Well, they keep promising us this dirty bomb thing, and now they're putting it out till tomorrow. Uh, this is supposed to take place at 9 a.m. Tuesday. There'll be an explosion near Portland International Raceway. Big explosion. It'll be real. Well, not the it's real It's not going to be real. Not as dirty as we might like. It's going to be a fake bomb. A lot of people are involved in this uh, crazy thing. This is a uh, national undertaking. It's okay. called 
Top off four. So here's the thing. Here's what I'm confused about. I'm confused about about many things having to do with this fake dirty bomb thing. Okay. So the actual... Let me just pull up a chair here. Okay. The actual fake dirty bomb is being, quote, set off where? At Portland International Raceway, amid a mock-up of the steel bridge. Okay, so then let, let me... me smash, ca- smash cars, broken gas, smash other debris. Let me... It's going to be another one of those weeks. Let me ask, are you on any kind of drugs today, Tim Riley? No, I am not. I'm feeling fit, sharp as a tack. He's drug-free. All right. Uh, Tim Riley prefers... I was going to say hugs, not drugs, but that's not really true no, either. No, I don't prefer hugs either. <laughs> Um, no hugs, no drugs. They used to sell that. That was the T-shirt that they used to uh, that they used to try to sell us on wearing. Uh, we would go to these stupid anti-drug rallies when I was in high school, and on the way out, they'd try to pitch us the whole wear this shirt around school, let everybody know you party drug free. Uh, so, and on the front was a, like a koala bear with sunglasses, giving you a thumbs up, and on the back it said hugs, not drugs. Let me tell you who wore that shirt. No one. So. I know that I should know this because I've lived here for a decade. Where is Portland International Raceway relative Delta to... Delta Park. Where, which is... Where, relative Delta to Park. downtown Portland, where North. is it? Almost at the Vancouver line. Really? Yes. Okay. Way far away. Delta Park's right next to the interstate. Oh, I know where that... Okay, I do know where that is. It's, is it sort of like Jansen Beach area? Yes. Okay, yes. yeah, because okay, Dennis uh, and those guys had done a thing out there at one point. So they're testing... I don't think they're doing this one. They're, t- they're t- miles around presents a dirty bump. Now, they're just dirty. Uh, so they have a mock-up of the steel bridge. Yes. But then why are they closing the bridge here if the mock-up is out there? Because aren't they closing? Didn't we hear that they're closing the bridge here in town tomorrow? No, I didn't hear that. Yes, you did. You heard it on this program. <laughs> well, then I wasn't listening. <laughs> I think you actually re- said it. <laughs> I think you reported oh, the story. Listen, I don't listen to me. It's hard to believe that people don't necessarily turn to us to get their news first. Uh, I'm pretty sure... Here's the only reason I'm asking. Now, I'm going to be upfront about this. I drove my car today. I didn't bicycle because I'm a big fat ass. So, but but I was, uh, I really am planning on bicycling for the rest of the week, if for no other reason than I think we reported that they're going to be closing at least one of the bridges uh, downtown tomorrow. I think the Morrison Bridge or the Steel Bridge or something they're going to be closing. Well, I don't have that in front of me. Which is on on top of, I think, the, the, the Burnside Bridge already being completely effed up. Uh, so I think traffic, which already is just the worst thing on earth in the morning, is going to be, going to be exponentially bad over the next well, couple of days. After that, it's at nine o'clock. You should be at work by then. Nine o'clock a.m. Yes, but it's going to last. Uh, isn't this like a four-day exercise? Yeah, something like that. We don't really know, do we? Well, we'll find out. Eventually. We'll find out the way everybody else does. We'll be on the bridge and they'll just close it, and we'll have to take paragliders to work. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick, this is Dan on a completely unrelated topic. Um, I was calling to request a uh, Best of Scotty J segment or two on Friday. Oh, yeah, we're not really sure what we're going to do on Friday. We were actually just talking about this. Uh, Somebody had requested a drunk show, but I think that we'll probably just, as Sarah said, just after the program, we'll just uh, go out somewhere with Scotty and and, and hoist a few uh, in his memory, blah, blah, blah. We'll probably play some segments of the drunk show back on Friday, but I'm not sure what else uh, what else we'll do. We're going to have to put some thought into what Friday's show will entail. Okay, and I have another uh, question for you. Yeah. I was wondering, um, you know, you used to say on your sign-off, you used to say, and do please try to help the retarded. But I noticed that you kind of quit saying that the last month. I, I can't imagine why that would be. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're losing your call. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
All right, bye now. Yeah, how's that bike riding treating you? Uh, I rode my bike this weekend. If only that counted for something. Oh, let me tell you this. I had the creepiest moment. Just, and we'll get back to the news here, but I had the creepiest moment. I was, uh, I was riding my bike. I was downtown this weekend, and just. <laughs> I mean, not so much out of morbid curiosity, but just, I mean, maybe it is, but I, I felt, I mean, I wanted, I wanted to go see the bike memorial for the girl who'd been hit, um, because I, every, like, like a lot of people, every now and again, like in Northeast, there's a lot of these, you'll bike by those, you know, you'll go buy those ghost bikes, which are those white. Oh, there are a ton in Southeast, too. Oh, it's on creepy, Belmont too. And it's completely everywhere. creepy to bicycle by one of those spray-painted white bikes that's there wherever a cyclist was killed, and I know that there had been that huge procession that went up Burnside on Friday. And so I was downtown, and I thought, I thought, you know, well, I, I should go by and, you know, whatever. I, I don't even really know why. I, it's not like I really wanted to go and be like, hey, somebody died here. And I, I, but, I don't know. Somebody, I guess it, I think it's just like a, uh, as William Shatner would say, a human thing uh, that I wanted to go by and just sort of stop and, as Spinal Tap would say, and just stop for a minute, a minute and, and get too much effing perspective on everything. So I bicycled down uh, whatever it is, 14th or whatever. And I saw the bicycle there, and it's good. they've got a little shrine, and it's covered in flowers and candles and whatever. But then there was the creepiest moment where I realized that actually in my endeavor to go by and stop and see the bicycle, that I was actually following her exact path, which is creepy, because I'm stopped there at the corner of 14th and Burnside in that bike lane, and I didn't even really realize it at the time, but I look over and I stopped, and I was sort of just... I don't know, whatever, taking it a moment to ponder the eternal verities of life, and then you realize that you are right where she was when it happened. Uh, and it, the whole thing just weirds you out, and I had to leave. I had to, it was just freaking me out too badly, but it was, it's, it's creepy. Yeah, I went and saw it on Friday. And by the way, oh, never mind, never mind. Oh, wait. I don't want to taint the whole thing about her bike memorial with another observation, but I'll, remind me to talk about that. Uh, remember to talk about that in a little while. Here's Tim Riley. Well, I want to talk more about this dirty bomb. Okay. Uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security is conducting it. It is the largest, most comprehensive counterterrorism exercise ever. It's in uh, Arizona and Oregon uh, and Guam or someplace like that. Agencies will respond to a simulated dirty bomb disposal and its aftermath. My pot's not up. It is? Start again. Somebody messed with my computer over the weekend. I can't I imagine who that, who that would have been. Well, my stuff is playing. To police. Oh, here we go. Let's try it again. Uh, uh, so in Oregon, Arizona, agencies will respond to a simulated dirty bomb disposal and its aftermath. Fire department, uh, police, uh, calling in state agencies, uh, public health, uh, emergency responders, medical responders, all of them will be involved uh, doing just exactly what they would do during a real event. You know what I wasn't That's ready That's a long with. I wasn't ready with that. That was going to be my go-to. Tim's computer isn't working, son. This also takes place in Guam because it's a lot like Portland, apparently. Uh, Hunklin says Oregon's governor wanted his state involved in this exercise. He wanted to take this opportunity to exercise all of the state's uh, resources and agencies and capabilities in uh, dealing with a large-scale public emergency. It's not the kind of thing we've done before, and uh, the governor just felt that it was time for Oregon to do this. All right. I, okay, let, let's stop. A, what is Guam? It's an island. I know, but is it part of the U.S.? It is a territory. Is it like Puerto Rico? Yes, something like that. Is this a sort of they're taxed but can't vote kind of a thing? Yeah. All right. And they have to list in the military but can't vote? Right. We took it from the Japanese during the Second World War. They've they been could, happier ever since. They couldn't be trusted with it. No. 
They, uh, I'm sorry, the Japanese, you, you're not old enough. It's like, taking a, it's like taking an air rifle away from your young son. I'm sorry. Come see me when you're 17. All right, so, so this is going to be a fake bomb set up at the Portland International Raceway. Right, on a set resembling the steel bridge. All right. So they have some set dressers now, building a set. I have asked several people I know who work in the medical industry in Portland, and you know, what's weird is that none of them have heard about it. Well, it says, as of yesterday, emergency crews got ready for the worst-case scenario, which is designed to test the response of local, state, and federal authorities to the breaking point. <laughs> I like anything that's being tested to the breaking point. Whatever that might be. <laughs> Seriously. Um, all right. Well, so as we all get ready for this, look, let's just boil it down. I just want to know how... 6,000 people taking part in this. All I want to know is how this is going to inconvenience us. So it's, it's, uh, Local hospitals are going to be involved. And they're going to set up some uh, triage stations. So if anybody knows, here, if you can answer this question, how will the fake dirty bomb test that's going on for the next couple of days affect you? How will, how will that, yes, and how will that inconvenience us on the Rick Emerson Show? Please now to call if you know the answer to that. It's 503-733-2970. It says here, don't expect to see any real-life disruptions on the roads, highways, bridges, or hospitals. Well, if it's... If, they'll also include fake news photographers and reporters. Well, we're, we're fake news reporters. They should send us. If we didn't get our press credentials in time. If they're... The 8th was a deadline for the out of luck. We can't even go over there. Is that true, really? Yeah, they're setting something up at the Sheraton for uh, the press. Well, everyone except for us. Bear claws. Yeah. Um, that sounds good. The, there are cookies in the kitchen. If, if, they're, not really, if they're not really going to shut down anything, and if there are going to be no real disruptions to the city, how is it that they can possibly call this a comprehensive and realistic demonstration of what would happen to our town? Because it says here, according to Mr. Hunklin, there is much we can learn. We know that our state agencies will gain some valuable knowledge and experience oh, uh, dealing not only with terrorism prevention, but all the phases of, of disaster preparedness, as well as response and recovery. Thousands will take part. Who will participate in one way or another, many of them uh, playing the roles of casualties uh, with uh, makeup and, uh, and training and how to, uh, how to show the various symptoms of, of uh, radiation exposure. Oh, so it's going to be made up like in the movie. This is going to be like a day after thing where you wander around with your skin falling off. I don't think a lot of people remember that. No. Uh, all right. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey man. Hey. I was I just want to call in uh, about the Henry Rollins spoken word stuff. Yes, sir. It, it's badass. I remember uh, first time I came across it, I was like 18, so it's like what 16 years ago. Yeah. And uh, I just first moved out. I was in my first apartment, and uh, the, the chick I lived with was just a hard chick. She was all in the black flag, and she had all those uh, spoken word albums. Yeah. And uh, man, first time I heard it, it was just like, oh, you know. <laughs> <He's> just, it, <laughs> well, it was like I mean. Ah, well, it's, it's like a hammer on your brain. It's just like, you, you know, like the way he delivered and what he was talking about was just amazing. So, uh, yeah, I'm totally yeah, with you. The, and uh, spoken words sort of then became fashionable kind of after that with, you know, girls like, there was like Maggie Estep who was doing a lot of that and, and you know, the other people. And Rollins himself has become a real icon in the days since then in the media. You know, he's got like nine different shows on IFC and he's become an actor. And you know, Rollins Band had, you know, kind of their moment of the sun during the alternative nation, that whole era and everything. But, yeah, all of those Rollins spoken word records. And especially the early ones are just, I heard those at just the right time in my life. And uh, and they had as big an impact on me and the way I sort of deliver things and my style. Uh, they had as big an impact on me as probably any any radio host I ever heard. Absolutely. So, absolutely. I mean, I, couldn't agree, I yeah. couldn't agree more, man. So he's coming back. He'll be at the Aladdin in November. Oh, I'll totally be there. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Right, there you go. Uh, hi, John. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. 
so uh, as far as your, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the real life uh, tomorrow? Yeah. Let's just hope that there's no bus, tram, light rail, or airplane accidents or anything, because like a third of uh, all the medical personnel are going to be playing. Well, that's my other thing is what if there's an actual accident and then there's 10,000 doctors all out of PIR putting rubber wounds on some guy? Yeah, yeah, that would be unfortunate, uh, particularly for those needing the health care. It's going to end badly then. Yeah, so it it would be best if you just... uh, Try not to be injured tomorrow. Try not to be injured. Stay inside as much as possible uh, and uh, avoid mass transit because, you know, if, if there's an accident, you're going to die. Yes, and plus it's filled with people who smell. All right, thank you. Uh, let's see, John number two. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? What's up? I was going to say two points. One, um, if they're going to, um, um, you know, fake blow up a bridge, uh, wouldn't the burn side be more? Since it doesn't work anyways, nobody's using it, nobody's allowed to go out there. Well, I, I can't for the life of me figure out well, whatever. I, I mean, we keep asking this, and people keep not answering it. So I, I think we're going to have to, at some point, just quit asking these questions because it, it, everybody either gives us some different answer or, I mean, we're never really able to get to get a straight response from the city about this. Well, about is something in Portland going to be closed tomorrow? No. So, no. No. So, so no. this claim we heard last week that one of the bridges in Portland is going to be closed is wrong. They changed their minds, apparently. Okay, so this is not... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the other point is is that if they're going to clean up any you know uh, radioactive whatever you know the bikini uh, atoll is still kind of a mess. Yeah, maybe they could go. Maybe they could use this ener- this effort uh, and energy to clean up some actual real radiation. Yeah, if anything could use a little scrubbing, you know, like oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. We're going to move you people. Uh, We'd like to blow up your you. island. Here are some beads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. There you go. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Yes, we'll take your ancestral home and give you a weenie roast. <laughs> How would you all like to live in one condominium in Boca Raton? I want a cinder block dormitory. <laughs> Put on these glasses. Here's a rec center with a pool table with all the balls missing. <laughs> well, if there is a real emergency during the top-off resources, uh, people will be around to respond. The top-off exercise will be terminated immediately, and all of the attention will go to the real emergency, or the real emergency as, just as you might imagine. So once again, there will be no disruptions in the real lives of Portlanders. Uh-huh. Roads, highways, bridges, and hospitals will all function normally. <sighs> all right. Any further questions? Well... Only only that I don't understand exactly how they're supposed to get ready for something if they're basically practicing on what is like a one-third scale model railroad set out of PIR. You know what I mean? Well, that's because none of us have been invited to participate. I guess. We don't know what they're doing. Now, I have to trust that the government could be enjoying a box of lunch listening to us right now. The government is doing what's right for us. They have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Yeah, I had a question, actually two questions. Um... One about bicycles, the other one about smoke all over town yesterday. Okay. Um, the one, the first one about the bikes, um, why is it that bicycles have to ride with traffic? Because the law requires it. Okay. Well, isn't it better for the bicyclists to ride uh, against traffic so they can see the idiots that are hanging right and they don't get cut off? I actually have thought that for a while. I mean, I don't want to give the whole thing about the way that bicycles ought to behave, but I will say that growing up, I used to wonder that all the time uh, because when I was, I remember first being taught to ride a bike when I was a kid, and uh, you know, and my sister taught me all the rules about you know the hand signals and the look both ways and the wear a helmet and whatever. But I remember asking my sister. 
why you didn't ride against traffic so you could see them even if they didn't see you. Because if you're riding with traffic, they could come up behind you and not see you plow into you. There probably is some simple answer. I just don't know what it is. You're right. Logically speaking, it does seem like you ought to ride in the bike lane against traffic yeah, so that you can see coming. a car coming up uh, on you. Uh, it doesn't seem any more dangerous. It's not like it's going to make the collision any worse. A truck hitting a car is still going to be bad for the bicyclist, regardless of whether you're going against them or with them. So you're right. I don't really know the answer to that. It does seem like that would be a safer way to ride. Yeah. Yes. Um, and about the smoke all over town yesterday, what was that? There was just a just a haze everywhere. Did somebody see smoke all over town? No. No. Could have been a dirty that bomb. Might have. Was it a dirty bomb? <laughs> it might have just been in your neighborhood, sir. Where do you live? Um, out in Beaverton, Sherwood area. Beaverton, Beaverton. What would be smoking out in Beaverton, Tim? Was it like I was hoping I was hoping you lived in Southeast so I could make some sort of a marijuana joke, but that's <laughs> not really going to work. You thwarted my attempt at humor, so I got nothing. I don't know. Maybe there's a, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I I don't know. Insert witty re, re, witty reply here. I've got nothing. Yeah, right. I'm done. It thanks, was. Rick. Thanks. I'm sorry. I've disappointed you. It was foggy yesterday. There was a lot of fog, but I don't know anything about any smoke. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Neither do I. Well, there's a brand new uh, light to take your picture if you uh, run through the intersection of Southwest 4th and Jefferson. And on its first day, they caught 226. That's actually the one just right up here. That's the one uh, uh, right up the street from us. <laughs> well, the fine is $245 if you get caught. Oh, and they're they're having uh, some other plans, too, for more lights, but they're all in Southeast. Yeah. Imagine that. Now, the, uh, what really? Is that Southeast where? Washington at 103rd, Southeast Dark at 99th, Star Southeast Dark at 102nd, Southeast Foster at 96th, and Northeast Broadway at Vancouver. All right. There really needs to be one at Hawthorne and 39th, by the way, if they're going to start installing these somewhere, because that, that, you're just asking to get killed. At that oh, that's a nasty intersection. Oh, it's a terrible intersection. Yeah. I mean, and again, I try to be a pretty careful driver uh, because, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be the next guy who's in the paper because he ran over some bicyclist. Uh, but that man at Hawthorne, it, like I was going, I think it was Saturday that I was driving by there. And there's always a bunch of kids out front who are either outside smoking or they're waiting to get into some show. And you know that like half of them are just three sheets to the wind. And I know it's just a matter of time. The law of averages says I will at one point be driving by, turning at 39th and Hawthorne, and some drunk kid is going to step off the sidewalk and stand in front of my car, and he's going to be in my grill before I can do anything about it. There's just no getting around it. I am amazed that more fatalities do not happen outside the Hawthorne Theater. Because I see drunks just staggering on that street corner all the time. And you can be obeying every law of the road, but all you need is for some, you know, some idiot bowling for soup fan uh, to decide, you know, that he's going to have one too many. He steps off the sidewalk, and then he's in the front of a Kenworth. So that's a, it's a bad scene is what it is. I can't tell you how many times this weekend we were driving around seeing drunkards swaying on street corners. They've got to be stopped. Held up only by their male companion. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. Uh. AOL is eliminating another 2,000 jobs worldwide to cut costs and build its strength as it transforms from an Internet provider to a, an online advertising company. We'll see how that goes. That's 20% of their workforce. They also cut 5,000 jobs last year. Who has AOL anymore? No one. I don't think anybody does. So that's that. Uh, let's, so let's talk about some uh, giant sharks, shall we? Adley Bruner has been fishing for 40 years and was not prepared for what he caught about 70 miles off the Florida coast. He was hoping to catch some uh, grouper, whatever they are, grouper, uh, and enter the annual Dustin Fishing Rodeo. Instead, he landed an 840-pound po wow, 840-pound shark 
That's 844 pounds. The fish surfaced a little bit sooner than we anticipated, and we were able to put a flying gaff in it. And another 20, 30 minutes of wrestling, we were able to put another gaff and ultimately wrestling. Uh, wrestling lasso the tail sure. and subdue the fish. I think, I think what he means is wrestling. Yeah. Well, he brought it home to his wife. <laughs> uh, that solved all their problems. Uh, John said it's not the first shark uh, caught in the area. We had a similar, little bit larger shark caught here off of Destin last uh, spring. And it, it was all pretty uh, pretty awesome, pretty awe-inspiring. It was, it was uh, an incredible sight. It was gnarly. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, I am now announcing, at least for myself, a policy shift here on the Rick Emerson program. Uh, as of today, the encyclical shall, shall go forth. From this day henceforth, I am rooting for the shark. In all encounters between sharks and humans, from this day on, I am rooting for the shark. I don't mean to speak for Sarah, Tim, or Scotty, uh, but from myself, I'm saying from now on, whenever humans and sharks meet, from today on, I am rooting for the shark to win. Just so you know. Starting now. Falling numbers of state dentists in England have led some people to take extreme measures, including pulling out their own teeth. Ah! The falling numbers of state dentists in England have led some people to take extreme measures. Others have used super glue to stick crowns back on rather than uh, stumping for private treatment. Stumping. One person spoke of carrying out 14 separate extractions on himself with pliers. Okay, if you have 14 teeth that need to be extracted, period, there are larger issues at stake than the fact that you can't afford to go get a cavity filled. Mm-hmm. Uh, more typically, there is a lack of publicly funded dentists, meaning that growing numbers are going private. This is uncomfortable for all of us, and there are serious questions for politicians and patients. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. They've actually got nationalized health care there. They're, I guess they're running out of dentists, though. Is there something? Do people not becoming dentists? That That's a problem? Yep, people just aren't becoming dentists. Like that woman who was showing me how to get to the bus station or whatever when mm-hmm. they, we went to see Erasure. She's like some 20-year-old girl, opened up her mouth, one tooth. Almost half of all dentists, 45%, say they no longer uh, take... The uh, national patients, while 41% said they had an excessive workload, Jesus. Uh, 29% say their clinic had problems recruiting and training dentists. Why not be a dentist? I you can't even one. imagine pulling out one of my own teeth. I mean, that's just... I guess once you, once you do one... <laughs> once you, then it's, it's, like, it's like eating one bag of Pringles. Yes. Once you eat one chip, you just got to do the whole, the whole thing. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming you just do it with pliers or something? Well, I guess it helps if you're just completely... Uh, if you're drunk. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean... Well, whatever. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, how you doing, buddy? What's up? Uh, I wanted to respond to the caller who had the question as far as uh, why cyclists need to ride with the flow of traffic. Which is actually something I've wondered about as well. So what's the deal? Well, um, technically, I don't know the law, but I have some very good opinions on it. Okay. Uh, one, first and foremost, is that uh, whether you're driving, uh, if, if, if you're driving against traffic, your reaction time is cut way down, period. If you do happen to see a car and he happens to swerve, you're probably not going to have the time to get out of his way. So if you're driving with traffic, you know, there's I could see that. A it probably time. doesn't make much difference in terms of impact. But, yeah, in terms of reaction time, I can see that. If you're actually traveling uh, exactly. with uh, against the traffic, yeah, it actually does cut down the amount of time you have to do something. And if, if, if you are happening to travel... To, to be traveling against traffic, and you do see it coming, the only thing that's really going to happen is you're going to tense up and probably cause more damage yeah. to your back. Okay, I um, can see and, that. And, and and the other thing is that uh, most of the time, most drivers you find, um, you know, when you pull up to an intersection or up to a driveway, pulling out into a busy street, most people look to their left to see the traffic coming. Okay, you know, if, if there are people walking up, you're generally going to see them, but if you pull right out and you look to your left and there has to be a cyclist coming the other direction, most people don't 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 look right, you know, to see if there's a car driving the wrong way down the street, right? Right. You know, they only look left. So, 
you know, if you're driving uh, against traffic, you look left, you pull out, you know, half the time right. stock is not get seen and get, uh, get blown away. No, fair enough. No, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. All right. And that's it. That's all. Thank you. Thank and, you, uh, uh, Scotty, we'll miss you, buddy. All right. There you go. Thank you, my friend. All right. Yes, Scotty J will be uh, leaving the Rick Emerson program at the end of this week. So we'll be talking more about that as the day unfurls. Here's Tim Riley. Can you imagine Canadians killing other people? No. It's true this time. Uh, Canadians are trying to figure out why an agitated passenger died at Vancouver Airport after being tasered not once but twice by the police. Is this the, the person who tried to block the tasering with a baby? Uh, let's see. The unidentified foreign man arrived at the international terminal yesterday showing signs of distress while in the custody area. He then began shouting in an Eastern, uh, in an Eastern European language. Oh, we can tell there's trouble coming now. Pounding on windows, throwing chairs, and shoving computer equipment on the floor. Uh, police tried uh, restraining him by blasting him twice with a taser gun, but he refused to calm down. He died shortly after that, being handcuffed. Okay, but this is—he's well, not a Canadian, though. No, he's, he's just Eastern some European. guy from one of those Nakistan or uh, near Nakia countries. Garbage stand. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a whole region. That's not just one place. No, it's like where all the the whole Ural Mountain region. <laughs> Garbage stand. Fantastic. They contribute so much to this world. <laughs> yes, they do. Oh, fantastic. So this uh, garbage stainio. <laughs> Apparently was tasered taser twice and he refused to calm down. Taser? I barely knew her. I realize that lately I haven't even been playing the, the payoff to that. I've been doing the alley, but not the oop. All right. Well, don't don't do anything to get your ass tasered. Uh, it's five. I saw a Don't Taze Me Bro bumper sticker the other day, by the way. Uh, it was on Saturday. I was driving along. It was a car that actually had one of those, which is fantastic. I probably won't get one, but it was great. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's do one more here, and then we'll take a break. The Secret Service arrested a man over the weekend flying a plane over the restricted area over the president's ranch in Crawford, and the president was home at the time. The man was arrested shortly after he landed just north of Dallas. The plan is registered to a company, JCB5 Incorporated, which is located in Redmond, Oregon. No word yet on who the pilot is or if he has any other ties here in the Beaver State. All right. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back uh, around the corner. Uh, we have more from Tim Riley uh, coming up later on CNN Radio correspondent James Roof. The top five 90s musical acts about whom we have completely forgotten. And uh, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at an injury to your face. Yes, you do. Yeah, it was funny. You know what this show is like sometimes? Not to overstate our own greatness or linguistic dexterity. I've been working my way through West Wing Season 2, which I do believe is the finest season of any television series ever, my opinion. But I will say this. The great thing about the West Wing is... The humor on that show is almost exclusively verbal. You know, it's got that Aaron Sorkin dialogue. It snaps, it crackles. The guys are going to reel way with words. But every now and again, they'll have some scene that is predicated almost entirely on verbal humor. And then they'll finish it by having somebody walk into a door. You know, which is great. And it's sort of, it, which is funny because it's a... Because that is life. That's what happens. And because it's a great mixture. It's a contrasting of the high kind of comedy and then a low sort of humor. So they'll have some exchange between Josh and, and Donna that references a million different pop culture things and has a bunch of, you know, nine-syllable words. And then it'll end with Josh slipping and whacking his face on the desk. And then you laugh. So so it was just now. 
where Scotty, and I wish everybody could have heard this, Scotty came in, and Scotty and Tim were engaging in the most bizarre conversation about some... really weird. ...some airplane that Boeing is designing or not designing, and then Scotty started talking about the carbon regulations and the makeup of the skin of the airplane, and then Tim and Scotty concluded their conversation about the airplane, and then Scotty and I talked about the fact that I had no idea what the conversation was about, and as Scotty was leaving, I said, I'll miss these little moments that we have, Scotty, where you talk about something that makes no sense to anybody and just comes out as so much Scotty J. Gibberish, and then it was all punctuated by Sarah going to put her headphones on, letting go of one of the earpieces too quickly, and slapping herself right in the face That's with the her headphones. That's the hardest those have ever snapped back in my face, too. People, that hurt. People don't really appreciate this. And if you imagine, like, your, whatever, you, you know, the old headphones you used to wear with a Walkman or whatever, the kind that had the steel band that went across your head like a barrette thing or whatever. But imagine those, like, with a... With a you know, because you know those old Walkman headphones that would rest on your ears and had the steel band that went across the top. But imagine that the steel band is really strong... And the earphone, the ear cups on either side are really huge and heavy. Now imagine just springing one of those back and then letting it whack right into your temple. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was slightly hilarious. It really was. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, this is the airplane story that kind of triggered that whole thing. There was just a picture of an airplane here. Uh, that's because, according to the story, apparently putting your iPhone in airplane mode... Oh, don't even get me started on this. ...is not the digital oh. equivalent of returning your set, uh, seat back to the upright position. A flight attendant for ATA Airlines asked a flyer watching a movie mid-flight on the way to Hawaii to shut off his iPhone. Uh, and the problem is, the iPhone user said he tried several times to explain to the flight attendant that the iPhone was in airplane mode. He tried to explain to the flight attendant, who is either ignorant or belligerent or power-hungry or all three, mm-hmm. that the iPhone was in airplane mode. Right. Which is actually a mode that, as much as I crack on Apple about things, is a mode that the iPhone actually has that specifically disables all of the features that you are not allowed to use while a plane is taking off or landing while allowing all of the other features to run. And it actually says in huge letters on the screen, phone is in airplane mode. But airplane mode doesn't appear to be a universally defined uh-huh. state being offered by the FCC. Like it makes it like your goddamn cell phone can crash an airplane anyway. I think MythBusters, as well as you know, common sense, uh, decided that you know a good five, six, seven, nine years ago when they first started this crap. And Apple's webpage on the iPhone's airplane mode clearly states: if you turn on airplane mode, the wireless features on the iPhone are disabled. And if allowed by the aircraft operator and applicable laws and regulations, you can continue to use the non-wireless feature after takeoff. No, because the person who's uh, walking up and down the aisle telling everybody Eichmann style what they have to do with their phone is just some sort of brainless air uh, waitress who's decided that she understands exactly how airplane electronics work. Well, apparently the airline attendant uh, changed his story several times, uh-huh. and please finally let the guy go. Well, of course. And by the way... Somebody else was making, I read this story this weekend, and it angered me so badly, I actually had to close the window and just sort of turn off my computer and go walk around in the sun for a while, because it was infuriating me. As do all stories, and I know that I've made this observation many times, but goddamn, I really used to love traveling. I really did. I used to love everything you about traveling. You didn't you? I did, well, I'm not even just talking about being in a place. I used to love the actual traveling. I mean, and, and I think, I, I don't want to start singing the whole when I was a boy thing, but I mean, I do believe... And I won't even say me, I'll say Sarah and maybe people a little younger than Sarah, the last generation to remember when you could travel sort of freely. And I don't mean to turn it into some sort of 
you know, lament about the lost freedoms of my country and whatever. It's a, it, it really is just the fact that airplanes, just, uh, airports and airlines uh, have just become such bastards about this for no readily discernible reason. I mean, you're no safer than you were, uh, you know, on September 10th. None. Zero. There's, you know. Well, they did, they did uh, spend $5 to put a bar across the, the bar of the cockpit, which they could have done a long time ago, saving us all this problem. Yes, they did. They found they, a magical device that, that would, lock. That would have been the key to this whole thing by stopping all this. But the airlines are just too cheap. So, anyway, but when it comes to actual traveling, I used to really love uh, when I was going to be traveling somewhere, especially by plane. And you know what? I'd go to the airport. I'd check in. I'd, you know, I'd have my book. i have my music. i whatever. i got my shoulder bag, you know, whatever it is, slung over my get on the plane. Uh, I get off the plane. I'm in the new place. The whole, I found, I used to find, my friend Todd and I used to talk about how we found airports. Maybe romantic isn't the right word, but romantic in that sort of Jack Kerouac kind of way. The same way that I have always sort of found hospitals to be romantic because they're always open. Anything that is always open, where something is always happening, where you can hustle go there. Yeah, where you can go to a place at 3.30 in the morning and there's fluorescent lights and people working and things are taking place. I find 24-hour businesses sort of strangely romantic in a weird way because I am sort of a night guy. I'm kind of a... Um, you know, I'm, so, I'm like, yes, I am a creature of the night. I always sort of have it. I'm just not a, I'm not a day person. Um, and so stuff that is uh, awake and open and hustling at night is, you know, I've always loved that stuff. And airports used to be like that, but now they're just places that make me angry. Now an, airplane, an airport is just a place I go to be poked and prodded and yelled at uh, by some idiot who's making $3 an hour to tell me that my, uh, you know, that my aerosol, uh, the hairspray or whatever, is going to be able to take down a Boeing 747. just doesn't make any sense at all. It's a bunch of goddamn nonsense. Anyway... So I was reading an article about this this weekend, about how this guy had his iPhone in airplane mode, which is specifically designed to prevent these sort of small-minded waitresses from coming by and taking it away from you. And somebody pointed out that, and I don't know that this is true, but the report is, this is how out of touch airline stewardesses are with what's going on. The, re the report I read said that when they were making the in-flight announcement about turning off all your handheld devices and all that, that she actually said, now is the time for you to turn off all of your Palm Pilots. I would like to let you know that a Palm Pilot hadn't been made in the 21st century. They stopped making those in the last century. So the idea that they are still giving all this predicated on electronic technology you know we haven't even used for almost a decade should tell you something about the people that are coming by and issuing orders to you when you're on a plane so just keep that in mind I'm all right sorry. i, I didn't mean to bitch i'm sorry go no, ahead sorry. here's tim riley well a san antonio woman has kept her promise to give up her ford mustang to the person who re returned her missing bulldog the woman said she would trade her 1996 mustang gt convertible for her missing english bulldog named pork chop Although she said the dog was stolen from her front yard, the woman did not ask questions and turned over the car. She now says the bus will be her primary mode of transportation. Uh, getting back to other things, the head of the private Blackwater security firm uh, was on CNN over the weekend. And uh, his name is uh, Eric Prince. He's the CEO of Blackwater. This is the guy, uh, the company that's uh, shooting all these uh, Iraqi civilians for fun or whatever. Um, uh, Mr. Prince says that they, uh, the staff they hire know what they're doing. But I'm, I'm confident that the kind of people we have out there are proven military professionals. They have uh, uh, typically uh, eight years or more experience. It's essentially all sergeants. And by the way, if they shoot somebody, they get their orders from the State Department. They dictate the missions. They dictate the vehicles. They provide the weapons. Uh, they tell us where to go and what to do. Well, okay. 
So stop arguing. Just stay out of their way. Government's fault. Oh, you get shot. It's as simple as that. Uh, parents need to think twice before buying their kids Halloween costumes. Nacho Rodriguez, the general manager of Johnny's Dungeon. Nacho Rodriguez? Yes. Okay. Uh, say, says that parents need to make sure their kids' costumes don't cover their faces. Big uh, latex over-the-head mask usually isn't really good for a small child because it's going to restrict their visibility. I wouldn't suggest wearing, like, a mask over their head or something that's going to bother their sight. Unless you're in Iran where you have to. Uh, police are looking for the person who slashed tires on dozens of cars in St. John's this morning. Neighbors up and down the streets woke up to find their tires flat. And also that they were living in a rat-infested hellhole. Well, this is part of a uh, national uh, security test. <laughs> uh, let's see. They counted at least 34 victims, but they they suspect there are even more. No one who lives in St. John's is really a victim. If you live in St. The best you can hope is sort of an incidental accomplice. Everybody who lives in St. John's is guilty of something. Come on. Which makes it very unfair that property owners should brace themselves for a spike in their 2007 property tax bill. Yep. They're going to go up 11% even if you live in St. John's or own property there. <laughs> Not that we know anybody to whom that applies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is due to a five-year tax levy for schools that passed in 2006. I think it's very unfortunate that those of us who do not live in the Multnomah County and own property there don't know get to vote on these new libraries and schools. That is true. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. That if you... <laughs> like you're all in you Bugsy Malone mode. Then yeah. Then you end up taking up the, up the posterior at tax time. Right right across where? The posterior. Um, the, so, so, if you, so if you live in another county, but you own a house here uh, that you rent out, yes. you, uh, you still get screwed in the property tax that you were not allowed to vote on. Yeah. That's kind of interesting, actually. I hadn't really thought about that. So they expect between 3,000 and 5,000 phone calls a day for when people get their tax bill. Excellent. You know what this is, Tim? This is taxation without representation. That's exactly what it is. You're getting the shaft just like those poor people in Puerto Rico. If I were you, I... Was that grunt at taxation or Puerto Rico? Uh, taxation. Okay. Um, if I were you, I would begin some sort of revolt. I'd go throw tea into something. That's a great idea. That's a great idea for a protest. No, no, no. There ought to be some sort of a... Like a Portland tea revolt... Where off the St. John's Bridge, mm-hmm. people who are getting taxed in Multnomah County yet do not live in Multnomah County, therefore could not vote on the tax, you all ought to go throw tea off the St. John's Bridge. That would get media attention. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it. I can hear in your voice the grim resignation, the sort of verbal shrug. You're just going to give in to the rogering by the man. Yes. Okay, fine. I'm telling you. I'm just saying that would make sense. That would make sense. People would well, get it. It would be funny. The first I've heard of it. Since I don't live in Multnomah County. <laughs> no. Well, that's the first you. That's the first you've heard of it. The first most other people will hear about it is when they open that. Uh, they open that envelope. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the vacation you were planning on taking. No. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Two What's more up? things that the wonderful airlines are doing for us. Yes, is, sir. Uh, they're no longer uh, bereavement fairs. So if you. Uh, oh, I know. My wife tried to. Uh, my wife tried to get one of those a while back, and they uh, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, so they got they got to save the money like the peanuts and stuff like that. But even scarier, for the security, they're doing away with paperless boarding pass. They're doing it with paper boarding passes, and their plan is I'm not making this up. They will text a secret coded message to your cell phone, and then they leave the cell phone at the gate to board you. What if you don't have a cell phone? That's my problem. I, I mean, don't that's have a cell phone, but it's like now. Where did you hear this? Uh, this is online. I believe it was one of the uh, security. Uh, I can't think of the name offhand, but it's the air transport. Did, it, ru- did it rhyme with Ride Ruiz? 
No, no, it did not. Okay, I'm just saying. All no, right. this is. I can I can send you the legit uh, the legit. Uh, 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 I'm always personal. intrigued by sort of new security measures or, or whatever that require technology that sometimes people don't have. You mean mean technology like a cell phone that I have to have on me so they can track me wherever I go, like they do in Baltimore? Yes. Somebody somebody sounds a little creeped out. Yeah, a little yeah. irritated. Uh, I guess I guess I I have to get a cell phone. I guess a, a couple of Campbell's soup cans and with some wet string won't get me on my airplane anymore. By the way, that bereavement fair here. This is kind of a funny story. Uh, it's not funny. It is. Uh, it's sort of grimly amusing, I guess. That my father-in-law, uh, although he's recovering, had a very serious stroke a while back, and my wife uh, was going to fly down from here to Utah uh, to be with her dad while he recovered. And the funniest thing was. Listening to her in the living room yelling at the woman from the airline uh, over the fact that they would not give her a discounted rate because her dad had had a stroke. Because they used to have, as you said, bereavement fairs, which is either a death in the family or a serious illness. And she's, and it's like, how do you tactfully bring that up without trying to look just like the biggest money-grubbing bastard on earth? You know what I mean? So I need a flight to Provo, Utah from Portland. Okay, now, you used to have those bereavement fairs. Now... My dad had a stroke. Will that get me a discount? And, I mean, it's just, you got to ask because no one wants to pay $300 extra if you don't have to. But then the, the woman on the other end clearly had said no. And so the, my wife is going back and forth with her, sort of like haggling like on a Chinese menu or with a Mexican rug salesman or something about how much she's got to pay for this because her dad had a stroke. And, you know, and I expected her to start busting out other extenuating circumstances. Now he's, now he's also got no legs. Now what about the stroke plus no legs? Do I get a discount for that? Well, he's got bad teeth. Psoriasis? Anything? Hello? You know, just throwing everything she could think of. So, all right. Thank you, sir. That's uh, Charlie. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show, sir, or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. My name's Jay, and I love your show. But I'm just There's curious why you have such here, a beef with St. John. I'm sorry. Why do you have such a beef with St. John? I don't know, because it's filled with hooligans and dirt. I have businesses and know a lot of people that live in St. John's. Do your, and, uh, do your businesses like do your businesses specialize in selling a lot of gold rope chain and cheap firearms? <laughs> That's not happening there, Rick. You uh, got to go down there. No, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Is there is there a new spark in St. John's that I'm missing out on? Well, it's been there for a while. Yeah. It's... I'm just I'm just screwing with you. The well, St. John's streets have been paved with gold since I, the last time you. Yeah, were there. I mean. The St. John's is, you know, it's no worse than some other places I can mention. I, uh, my sister, up until uh, a while back, my sister lived in St. John's. It's not like, look, let me just say this. You're talking to a man whose car has been stolen three different times. So it's not but like... not in St. John's. No, not in St. John's. So that's what I'm saying. It's not like my neighborhood is any better. Well, give them a chance. Right? St. John's does have a certain... Um, charm. Charm, that's one word for it. It has a... Uh, Effervescence. No. Uh, it has a certain uh, panache all its own, but uh, I will say that... It's um, a small town in a big city. You know you know what St. John's is like? Here's what St. John's is like. St. John's is like a, a really interesting kind of funky piece of clothing or furniture that you find for sale at Value Village. Um, but it really does need like a good, deep steam cleaning, two or three dry cleanings, a martinizing, a simonizing, and then maybe uh, you know, like a scotch guarding before you really want to sit on it. It's pretty, but you don't really want to let... You know, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's, St. John's has its charm, but you don't want to like get on your skin or anything. That's my only point. All right. I'm not winning you over, am I? No, not really. <laughs> I'll still listen, but... That's okay. You know, I noticed, by the way, that you never call up when we're talking about Gresham or Clackamas. You're nowhere to be heard. You're not heard from at all. No, I, I, those people got to call in for themselves. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. 
All right, there you go. Well, it was their turn. All right, here's Tim Riley. This comes to us from Scotty. Deliveries of Boeing's new 787 Dreamliner will fall six months behind schedule. The delay to late November or December of 2008 was caused by manufacturing problems, says Scotty. As the materials used to... Are we really citing Scotty as the source on this? Have the materials used to build the Dreamliner are carbon fiber composites, making the process more complicated. I think I speak for everyone when I say, who cares? Apparently, Scotty did enough to send this along. Scotty, why do you care about the new Boeing? Is this where you're going to work? Are you going to work for Boeing? You can tell us. No response. I see. The Dreamliner is 20% aluminum, 15% titanium, 10% steel, and 5% other. Scotty, if we guess where, we're, where you're going to work after this, will you, will you tell us? If we guess correctly, will you, will you uh, confirm? Really? Okay. We should do a 20 questions later about where Scotty's going to work. Who's in favor? I hate 20 questions. You play it. Well, you don't we'll make it 15. All right. We'll, we'll make it nine and a half questions. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. You only hate 20 questions when it's directed at you. No, I'm no really good bad at it. at it. All right. Well, we, we can, we'll just ask a series of narrowing questions about where See, he might be. That's how you've employed. described it every time before, and I still am not good at it. Yeah, but, you know, you never get better at something if you don't try, Sarah. If you want more muscle, you've got to pick up a larger weight. Here's Tim Riley. So it looks like uh, Turkey, I was just uh, looking at CNN on this television behind me. That there are bombing and shelling inside of Iraq, where the Kurds are, who are supposed to be our friends. So now the uh, Bush administration is concerned that Turkey could block the vital U.S. supply routes to Iraq. Seventy percent of the fuel and air shipments to the U.S. military in Iraq are currently routed through Turkey. And uh, let's see here. Officials at the Defense Department and U.S. military believe that Turkey could retaliate to a House resolution that blamed Turkey for killing 1.5 million Armenians that didn't, we're not supposed to talk about. Didn't we really? It's not so much blaming them, it's simply pointing it out. Right. Not really. Blaming is sort of like when we there's We can some, blame them after this war ends. So we're victorious. Doubt about the veracity of the statement. This is really just observing that they killed a bunch of Armenians. Uh, 70% of the U.S. air cargo in Iraq flies through Turkey. Well, okay. 70% of the fuel requirements for the military come from Turkey. Therefore... Ignore the Armenian genocide, or else. But why can't we just put our bases in Turkey and just, if they have a problem with it, just tell them to get bent? Isn't that what we do everywhere? I mean, look. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, let's, can I just call it what it is? A lack of an invitation didn't stop us from going into Iraq. So well, they wanted freedom, and we gave it to them. I'm just saying, why don't we give a little freedom to Turkey while we're over there? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly. I mean, as long as we're handing out freedom... And who can forget Saudi Arabia? As long as we're handing out freedom, why don't we go hand out some freedom and death to Saudi Arabia while we're in that part of the world? I'd vote on that right now. I'd vote I'd vote yes to that today. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? Hello. What's up? Is this going to be another St. John's call? Yeah, it is. Okay. Is this a bad time? It's always a good time to talk about St. John's. <laughs> Gateway to nature, well, as the sign says. <laughs> does it really say that? Uh-huh. It does. What? Gateway to nature? Yeah. That doesn't even make any sense. There's plenty of nature over there. There's nature. Ev- okay. The whole world is nature. There's better nature there. Uh-huh. Hi. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, my, hello. My introduction to St. John's was um, I had just moved up here. I had no idea about the reputation, and I was looking for an apartment. And surprisingly enough, they were kind of cheap over at yeah. St. John's. Yeah, it's a real shocker. The odds makers take a beating. And uh, so I was by myself. My, my family was still back down in California. And I was just finding the Honey, home. I found this great place for us to live. Do you know where Lombard is? <laughs> yeah, it was actually right on Lombard. Yeah, yes, of course it was. Went upstairs with the uh, landowner. Place looked kind of nice. And 
He was Did he have blonde fun. hair and glasses? No, but okay. he was smoking a joint. Oh, no. not Tim Riley. No. That was not me, no. <laughs> he, uh, he, he said, you know, so you've got a family? I said, yeah. And I didn't realize that, that there was a bar right underneath, and I didn't really realize, re- read the name because it was kind of written squiggly. Yeah. He said, you probably don't want to move here. Um, that's a strip club right downstairs named Shag Nasties. Yes. Where's that? Uh, Tim's taking notes. Um, yeah, wait, wait, is it still there? Shag Nasties? Uh, no, I think. I've even heard like, of that place. No, we 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 moved um, elsewhere, obviously not. Yeah. But then it kind of changed. I remember when I uh, when I first moved here, because my dealings with Portland, I had really only stayed here for small patches of time growing up. So when right. I moved here full time. About a decade ago, I remember one of the first days I was on the air, I had this conversation, that I was, and I just asked people to call in and tell me where I ought not to live. Because yeah. if you go to a city and you say, hey, where should I live, that never really gets you the answer you, you want. Every time I've had to move to a new city, the first week I'm on the air, the first thing I always do is I always ask the audience, hey, where should I not live? And uh, and I and I will say, in all in all fairness, it wasn't St. John's. The place that people told me not to live was exactly where I'm living now. So, <laughs> so I didn't, well, clearly that advice didn't take. I, I think that uh, the uh, leading the pack should be Gresham and St. John's. Well, it's uh, it's, it's too late for me. But <laughs> now my sister used to live right by the. Uh, is the Dancing Bear still there? That's uh, not St. John's. Yeah. That's Kenton. Isn't that St. John's? No, that's Kenton. Where, where is Kenton in relative to St. John's? That's Kenton is. Yeah, Kenton is closer to PIR, Portland International Raceway, where the Dirty Bomb Festival. Oh, okay. So I'm confusing that area then with the other area. That's where Smokey lives. All right. Smokey the Bear? No, uh, Smokey at uh, Couple. Oh, okay. Well, we're confused about everything now. All right, thank you, sir. Good day. All right, bye now. All right. You know, I will say this about St. John's. Up until recently, they had a Pietro's Pizza there. So that was a good reason to go there. No more. Here's and they Tim just Riley. threw a sheet over the sign and spray-painted the new lane like they do with all the businesses there. That car dealership in St. John's has had like a half dozen sheets over the sign since Aut- I've lived there. Autos with a Z. Threw a sheet over the sign and spray-painted the new lane like they do with all the businesses there. That car dealership in St. John's has had like a half dozen sheets over the sign since Aut- I've lived there. Autos with a Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, kid. Oh, for the love of cars. Uh, it looks like Ashley Simpson is denying reports that she gets regular Botox injections to make her eyes look wider. Uh, Leading Magazine ran the story, saying the younger Simpson does it once a month, specifically to help raise her eyebrows to create a wide-eyed effect. Access Hollywood interviewed uh, Dr. Jennifer Levine, who does not treat Ashley. <laughs> Why did they interview her? The plastic surgeon believes that the lack of a slight crinkle around Ashley's eyes when she's smiling indicates, quote, She's had some sort of Botox to that area. Well, well, she never even acknowledged she had the nose job done, which she clearly did. Uh, She credits her eyebrows to her makeup artist, who is a whiz with the tweezers. Uh, Joe Simpson recently admitted that his daughter underwent a nose job back in 2006. Oh, so that's weird that he admitted it, but that she never did. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Well, you you know, must be in charge of the eyebrows. Yeah. Her face was everywhere uh, in London. They, they, I don't know what it is. They haven't caught on to the fact that she sucks because they were using her to sell all kinds of stuff, uh, like all over the underground, the, the subway system there. They were just it, everything you saw was Ashley Simpson's face being used to market crap. So there's, uh, I think they're a little late to the Ashley Simpson uh, party over there. All right. Well, here's your chance to appear in Britney Spears' new music video at her upcoming tour. The pop singer is holding an open casting call for backup dancers today from 5 to 9. Is this, now really, is this because, like, she's alienated all of her other dancers by not showing up for the last three dance sessions? Huh. Yes. All right, fantastic. Uh, this is going out at Millennium Dance Studio North Hollywood. She's expected to be in the tenses, yeah. 
the cover for uh, Spears' soon-to-be-released album, Blackout, was revealed late last week. It shows the singer wearing a fedora over her long, dark hair and a pink skirt. Now, we've got... Uh, looking into the camera. Uh, we've got some other Britney news that we'll, we'll get to later on. Uh, we'll have a ch- I've modified the Britney Watch theme a little bit, uh, so we can uh, we can use that later. But I will say this. Um, I, I will say if you've seen the cover of the new Britney album, you can tell that even the record company has just washed their hands of her. They are just the record company has already put a fork in her because the cover for the new album is just the cover from the single. It's uh-huh. exactly the same cover. They took the cover from the Gimme More single. And they just peeled off the Gimme More and put on a blackout on that. That's it. Same font, same text, exactly the same picture. They didn't even bother to do new artwork. So clearly the resources in the Britney Spears department of Zomba Records, is, uh, th- th- that's, been, uh, that's been scaled back to almost nothing. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show here on KCMD Portland. What's up? Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, tomorrow uh, in my uh, job I've been assigned to the disaster preparedness scenario. Uh, would you like to me to call you tomorrow and give you uh, information on how good or how bad it's going? Yes, let me know how many simulated deaths there are. Okay, yeah, because we're going to be at PIR from 9 to 6. And, uh, Are you going to be giving away hats and coffee cups? You know, I imagine. Uh, hopefully they'll have food for us there, because uh, if there isn't, we're, we're in trouble. But, let, me, uh, uh, let me ask you this. Is or is not uh, this Dirty Bomb Drill going to be closing any actual real bridge in Portland? No. They have built a mock-up of the steel bridge out of PIR. Is it to scale? Yes. What? And yes, it is. And what is it? It's, it's Why is covered, who is it's paying for this? Federal government. Okay. They no, have given I, somebody yeah, else. Us. Yeah. The, the, the 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 feds have given Portland, uh, the city of Portland, five million dollars to run this simulation. Yes, I'd much rather have this done than to have those potholes in front of my house fixed. <laughs> well, this you is can't a much better use of no. Correct, clearly, you can't have everything. Clearly, clearly, I cannot. All right. So, so what, anyway, I'll. Uh, I'll call sometime tomorrow and give you a play-by-play description right. of how badly it's failing. All right. Thank <laughs> Thank you. Well, if you read what happened in Seattle, if it doesn't go any better. <laughs> uh-uh. That's wonderful. Great. Maybe I'll just stay home. Because the whole scenario is uh, they have a federal inspection team here, and it's kind of like playing war games. And if you screw up, they'll have a referee there that will say, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, your equipment is... Uh... Let me ask you this. Is Matthew Broderick participating? I was just going to say that. Is Ali Sheedy going to have to bust somebody out of a room? <laughs> Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this point blank. What can we, the Rick Emerson Show, do to screw things up? Uh, you know, I think everybody needs to show up so they can't tell who the fake casualties are. Can I just, just show up and lie down on the ground and go, Oh, God, it burns! I bet I bet you could. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll get a hold of us tomorrow, then. I can't okay. feel my legs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Attica! Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, is this Keith? Yes, it is. Keith, uh, are you... Uh, I'm sorry you had to hear all that. Keith, are you, in fact, an employee of the city of Portland? I am an employee with the city of Portland. Well, sounds very official. Let me. You sound very, sound very serious about your job. So we'll we'll treat you with seriousness, sir. Why is it true that we're spending five million dollars to build some sort of fake bridge at the raceway that we're then? What's going to happen on the fake bridge? <laughs> well, it's an inter, it, that's an interesting way to to, to put it. Um, my understanding at this point is is that the money being spent is two million dollars. It's out of a federal grant. Uh huh. Uh, It's part of the Department of Homeland Security's grant program, Uh, and they are building as close to a realistic mock-up as possible um, for multiple reasons. First of all, uh, bringing people through this 
that respond and need to respond in a realistic fashion is important, but you don't want to, um, A, cause concern or um, uh, distress for the general public by using a real bridge. Well, let me, let me People ask... won't be tumbling to their death. For real, there'll be nets there or something. Let me Let me ask you this. Do you suppose it's difficult to get a realistic response from people when everybody has known about this for about three months? Not everybody's known about it for three months. The, the I mean, I'm just some idiot talk show host, and I've <laughs> known about it for for six weeks. <laughs> well, and and uh, the the AP announcement was, uh, I think it was a couple weeks back. The AP announcement was the biggest piece that let folks know. And yeah, I, I actually do think it'll be. Um, uh, significant in in terms of this i i've had a number of years to to participate in real disasters uh through my work with red cross as a firefighter emt uh and uh with emergency management and the more realistic you make the exercise you'll, you'll actually find um participants and like the volunteers that volunteer as as victims um come away with with a different perspective and, a, and, a, and a, a sense of reality. Sometimes they fall into their role a little too much. Well, let me, let me just ask you this. Let me just bottom line this here. Is this exercise tomorrow in any way going to inconvenience me, Rick Emerson? <laughs> well, I would hope not. I'm traveling is, it, from southeast uh, to downtown. Am I? Do I need to leave wor uh, for work early? I'm trying to think. Uh, you might want to. Yeah, I, w I would leave extra travel time, uh, now, at least for the next day or two. Now, why, why is that? Um, the majority of the the majority of the uh, activity will be taking place uh, around PIR. You're not secretly planning to close a bridge and just not telling me about it, are you? No, no, nothing like that. But um, when you have when you have activity out at PIR and it blocks up five, it's going to uh, cause situations down to 84, or when you have folks looking at, uh, um, you know, boats in, in the water, you're going to have you're going to have gawkers and lookers and things like that. So that's that's going to cause right. traffic. The, uh, for how many days is this going on? Is this going on all the rest of the week? It is going on all the rest of the week. All right. It's um, it is a 24/7 uh, real time uh, response by everybody from the local, uh, state, and federal. Let me, let me ask you this. Is it too late for uh, my news director, Tim Riley, and I to go down and pretend to be real journalists? <laughs> can we, can well, I, aren't, can aren't, I you, aren't you a real journalist? No, in no way am I a real journalist. Can oh, I ask okay. you this? Can I ask you, can, let me, if, and, if I promise to spin this as, as, uh, as positively on the air as possible and convince the people that this is really for their benefit and that it's not just a waste of $5 million that could be used to level out the bumpy road in front of my house, if I promise to spin it that way, can Tim and I please go down and say, all oh, the humanity at some point on the air. That would be fantastic. Tim, would no, that be worth it to we you? Do, we, we do live in Portland, so I, I would not be surprised if, uh, if uh, more than just you do that, oh, do that kind of a thing. They're going to have radioactive pets, too, they promised. <laughs> really? Yeah, they well, just updated it. Radioactive pets will be included. Well, okay, then. Uh, finally, let me just ask you this, sir. And I don't, uh, this is not one of those shows. Uh, but so many people have emailed me this that I feel I have to ask this just to clarify it. Uh, is it true uh, that we were running uh, similar terrorist simulations on both September 11th, 2001, and July 7th, 2007, which is when all those London bombings happened? Happened. Um, no, it's it's not true. Uh, what what were what was running uh, in 2001 was um, a 
uh, at that time called NORAD, was running an exercise, and uh, we, there was not a uh, homeland security exercise at that time. So those. I'm so sensing a Jesuit like, like a spin to parsing no, of the no, language no, 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 here, Keith. This this week you have this week you have NORCOM, which is the old NORAD, and. Uh, city of Portland running an, uh, a homeland security exercise. Wait, so isn't that the exact same thing if you said that NORAD was the one in charge of running the one in 2001? NORCOM, I think, is what. No, 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 no. no. It, but but the point is, is that there wasn't a there wasn't a DHS local exercise going on. Keith, I'm just going to ask you this: you can only a military exercise. You can level with me, Keith. You sure. can level with me here. Is tomorrow the day that they begin rounding up the undesirables? Yes or no? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not that they, they begin. I think you're because even, they are going to be close to the Expo Center, and that's where they rounded up the uh, Japanese. I, I was just going to say, first they came for uh, some guy, and I wasn't him, and I didn't do anything. All right, Keith. Well, thank you so much for tolerating our uh, foolishness. Good luck with your uh, good luck with your killing. <laughs> well, you know, thanks for the sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> Evil laughing there at the end. That's great. Thank you, sir. That was a little Dr. Strange love exercise. How great, how great was that? He did sound a little evil. That was so weird. So he said that NORAD was the one that was running the thing in 2001. He's like, but now it's NORCOM, and they're in charge of running this exercise, but it's completely different, even though it's the same company with it's a different like when name. NORAD are the ones that follow uh, the reindeer Santa and Santa Claus. That's like when RJR Tobacco changed its, changed its name to, like, Legel Tobacco or something. You know, just a, this no association. I've had, like, a hundred different people tell me that they were running almost this exact same simulation on both September 11th and on the day that all those London bombings happened. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just passing along the fact that many, many people have said, including, by the way, people I know not to be nutcases. Mm -hmm. There are people I know who are not crazy. I've learned by now who the crazy people are, and when you send me uh, things like that, I just ignore them. Just well, so this know. town's going to be full of nuts for the next few days, so you better get used to it. Oh, uh, it's true. Everybody's this is the first of many calls just like this. Well, you know, well, and you know, here's the thing. I... I I'm not saying that they really ought to close a bridge, because let's be honest, we'd be bitching about that if they were really closing a real bridge. We'd well, if they close the steel bridge, it's no total loss. It's, it's two little narrow lanes, and the Max runs over. Well, also, do, do we get a fake Max on this bridge also? Well, uh, well don't you want to go see down and see a, a scale model of the steel bridge? That's yes, crazy. Yes. I mean, that's insane. I, I do want to go down. I want to take a field trip to that. Um, so if they were closing a real bridge, we'd be complaining about that as well. But I, it, well, it's probably e easier to build. All you need is a little erector set because that's what the steel bridge looks like. I wonder if it's like a like a main uh, main street on Disney thing. You know what I mean? Where it's like everything is two thirds size and there's a secret restaurant hidden there somewhere. It just doesn't seem, as I said, if some idiot show like ours has known about this for six weeks, it seems like probably people in the government have probably known about it for three months, which means that no one's. Well, there aren't there any idiot shows left anyway. No, that's true. Uh, it really is. I wonder what Lars has to say about this. It really is like those disaster drills we have here at CBS Radio, and I've talked about those, where we'll be up there uh, in the room, and the engineer will come in with an envelope, and he will take the envelope, and he'll go, and he'll open it, and he'll say, he'll look at me and go, Rick Emerson has just been attacked by fire ants. What do we do? Go! You know, and he'll he'll announce some horrific uh, thing. And who knows what those shots in the cafeteria they gave out today were really for? Oh yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Then we'll talk. Free cookies Roo. didn't entice anybody. I'll tell you. No, that. you know what? You know who got one of those shots is Susan Reynolds. And you know who got one was Sarah Wagner. Oh yeah, they're all going to regret. It. You know, and the thing, the thing is, they're going to be deadly ill tomorrow. They'll be at the triage center at PIR. I was going to say you'll be the first ones out here. You'll be out there playing a corpse at the raceway. <laughs> well, Sarah, Susan got one last year and got the flu. I got really extremely sick after I had that last time. Tim, just lie here on the steel bridge. You'll be feeling fine any moment now. Yeah. So, no. It, oh, I was terribly ill. No, I mean. No, and plus, I don't know what the, you know, it's nice that it's free and it's a flu shot. I don't know what's in that. Botox. You know, the government trying.
try to inject me with free medication. What on Ashley me. Simpson? Yeah, because they're always so willing to give everyone free medication. I was just going to say, when is the last time the government tried to give you free it's medical for care? Your safety. Uh huh. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you could walk into an ER and be bleeding out of your eyes and one of your ears. And if you don't have a health card, they're not going to help you. Mm-hmm. The government comes here and tries to give me free medication. I'm supposed to take it? I don't think so. Heck no. I realize now that I am sounding like one of those shows, but really, honestly, let's let's just speak as men. Sarah Wagner had like a little bit of panic in her, yeah, in her face, too. They she realized she made right. a mistake. And who knows if those are really nurses or who they are? No, they're, they're just two random they people like, sitting in our kitchen. Yes, because they look like they nurses look like to you. like a doctor or a nurse or anything. No, no. Some people up some temps they hired, the masqueraders. Nurses, people from the Greyhound station. It's um, other employees. Seriously, I, I walk. I walk into a kitchen and a guy's sitting there with a huge bucket of syringes. I don't. Thank you, no. I don't think so. How about a cookie? <laughs> I had a cookie and I didn't get a shot. In your really? Place. I took a cookie. I didn't get a shot. So yeah. there. Way to screw Uh-oh. the system. Way Who to, knows what was in those cookies for those who didn't the get the shot? That's the passive. That's oh. like the pot cookie of the flu shot world. <laughs> Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. By the way, Scotty is noting that somebody needs to, this is a great idea, somebody needs to put on a Godzilla costume and go attack the bridge tomorrow. <laughs> that's, that's a bridge that PIR, and I know somebody with a Godzilla suit. It's those people in that, uh, in that, that, that soapbox derby thing. They have that Godzilla oh, costume. Yeah. Somebody should totally go down as a Godzilla just... And just attack the bridge at PIR. How great would that be? They probably have a spare, though. That's a stupid radio stunt, but one I could get behind. I would totally get behind the radio station. Because I wonder if, I forgot to ask the guy if the news media is going to be covering that. They have yeah, fake, they are. They have fake media covering uh-huh. it, but they have real media? Yeah, but we're too late to apply for our uh, we should totally. Passes. We should totally have a guy like Godzilla just go there. Scotty's last great mission for the show. Jim Roop, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, sir. What's up in uh, Southern California, my friend? Uh, just, you know, that big crash over the weekend is pretty much it. Except now, uh, out of Las Vegas, two uh, two of Simpson's co-defendants said they're going to testify against Is it two? Because the last thing I heard, it was one, so now it's two. So A he, second, yeah. Let's, let's just call it right now. I'm saying the odds are like two-thirds. He's going to jail forever. Well, we'll find out if there's even going to be a trial, though, oh, in November. You know what? If there's no... Let me just say this. If there's no trial, if O.J. does not end up at least going to trial for this, the public will riot. The public, the public will not be denied O.J. Simpson going to try uh, to jail a third time. Well, there's three weeks yet until this preliminary hearing. Um, two of the five have already rolled over. I'm guessing there's going to be some more singing before this thing actually hits a courtroom. Because nobody is going to want to go on trial with O.J. Simpson. I mean, nobody wants to be a coach. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying, because that, that, guy, that guy is a millstone who will drag down even the most buoyant of defendants. Because if there are guns involved, and if there was conspiracy involved, then that means there's some major prison time going. Oh, yeah. So if you can say, look, I'll plead guilty, I'll serve six months in prison, uh, if you let me testify as to what exactly happened. Now, one of the guys, uh, Charles Cashmore, great name for a guy who lives in Las Vegas, totally. um, says he's going to testify that there were guns involved. Who could and who could not see the guns? So it could be that he'll testify that, yes, there were guns there. O.J. probably didn't see him because he was standing in the left rear corner oh, of the please. room shouting. That please. Kind of... That, you know what? i got to tell you this. Unless, and if it goes to trial, and unless O.J. is just unbelievably lucky in, like, the voir dire process, or the, however it is that the jury ends up being shaken out, there's no way. There is, I mean, he will have to come, uh, Jesus himself will have to appear and say that O.J. was with him <laughs> the night of the crime. 
for that's, a, for a jury to, that's about how far it'll have to go. I mean, yeah, for a yeah. jury to accept the I for uh, please for some guy to go. Well, OJ didn't know we had a gun because uh, there was kind of a bright light in one corner of the room that was sort of blinding him a little bit, and he you know he had to squint his left eye and therefore wasn't able to say see, see this big ass gun I had in my head. There's no way a, a jury is just going to go in there. You and I all know how humans work. A jury is going to go in there looking to put OJ away forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And again, absent a videotape showing him in Spain at the time, and even that might not be enough to get him out at this point. So that's true. It's uh, it's going to be, and that's what three weeks from now. Yeah, that's uh, the eighth and ninth of November is when that preliminary hearing is supposed to be. And then the judge will determine if there's enough evidence. First of all, now with these two guys testifying, I'm guessing that's evidence that they can add to whatever else. The DA found. Yeah. Remember, we talked about this back when uh, that that first trial date happened uh, in October, or was it September? It doesn't. I don't know when. But it, uh, we talked about man. You know, the DA doesn't want to stick his neck out. He's got to have something, and he must have enough that the lawyers are advising these guys. You know, you should talk. Right. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, that's and as you said, just just having OJ as your co-defendant. Oh, I mean, that's, that's just death. It's yeah. going to end badly for yeah. you. Oh yeah. So, I mean, you don't want to be known for the rest of your life as that. I mean, no. you want to be the guy that put that helped put Simpson away. Yep. That's how you want to be known. Whether you have to serve some prison time uh, or whatever, you want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy that goes to trial with him, that the other guys, you know, get a conviction with you and Simpson. And, and you're the guy who finally went down with O.J. Simpson. You don't want that. By the way, uh, yeah, you don't want to be there. That's like a musical chairs thing, and you just don't want to be there when the music Dude. stops. What, uh, where is our good friend Cato Kalin right now? Uh, you know, he resurfaced uh, recently. He's still in L.A. Uh, he's not doing a radio show anymore, but he was on, I think, with Nancy Grace um, back with all of this recent stuff. I thought Nancy fans. Grace got fired. I didn't, she, I didn't think she had a show anymore. Uh, yeah, she still has a show. Who am I thinking of that got fired? Am I thinking of Paula Zahn is, think... is no longer working for us, right? Uh, maybe, and I was thinking of maybe Debbie Diamond. Oh, hell, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody, I don't pay you, attention to the TV. Stuff. No, really, it's hard to keep track, and I can't even tell. You know what? They give people shows. I was talking about this the other day. That, that, that we have now reached the point where there are so many channels that uh, shows launch, have a good six-year run, and go off the air, and I never even knew they were there. Well, I never thought that Nancy Grace had a bad show. I, I never liked her sign-off. She's just kind of a Wicked Witch of the West type. You yeah. Know? She's yeah. got a bad kind of evil, kind of a puppy-killing vibe to her. Yeah, but you know that's a tough gig she's got. That whole that whole trial analysis stuff, and that, eh, you know, I hate doing that. I mean, also, that's really hard to do. Also, the fact that she's got enormous nostrils that, <laughs> that can't help at all. Nancy Grace. There are times when I feel like I'm watching Nancy Grace that I have to hold on to the chair because I'm ringing that. Thing. I'm really I have to belt myself to the sofa for fear that she's going to inhale me through the screen <laughs> into into, uh, into into one of her lungs. So that's no. Yeah, all the camera guys have shield guards in case of a sneeze. That's what I'm saying, man. It's really it's like working it's like working near one of the airlocks on the Nostromo. You don't want to get near those. All right. Dougie. Well, I've taken this about as far as I can. Oh, and then uh, blah 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 blah. Brittany yeah. blah 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 blah. Yeah, so. blah 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 blah. All right. Hey, you know who hates me? I can't imagine one single person that does. Rachel. That does. Rachel McGrath doesn't like me. Uh, that that's the uh, British chick that fills in for me, right? Yeah, I just wanted to, I want to share with you just a little exchange that we had the other day. I don't have the actual audio on it, but this sums up my uh, adversarial relationship with Rachel McGrath perfectly. We were talking about the Anna Nicole Smith thing, and uh, you know, and about how they'd found 900 different prescriptions over written by you know one doctor over whatever many she had all this medication in her body, right. and I was saying that. 
that because of that, it, like I, Anna, you know, the, the, you get these over-the-counter drugs, and it'll say like, you know, don't don't take don't take this over-the-counter sleeping aid with anything but you know pure. I'm sorry, that's me, Sarah. That's me. Um, they'll get they'll get these you know medications. Say don't take this over-the-counter sleeping aid with anything but tap water because it'll kill you. Because if you mix it with even an aspirin, you'll die. And yet, Anna Nicole Smith. You know, it took everything but horse tranquilizers all mixed together for years before it killed her. And so I was making the observation that the warnings are clearly meaningless. And so from to, from today on, I told Rachel, I was just going to go home and mix all the drugs in my medicine cabinet with impunity and just inject them directly into my, uh, it directly into my brain. And she just went, well, good. <laughs> and that was it. That was that was it. That was her entire response. Said in just that perfect, like sharp edged British kind of like well sawed off kind of way. So it really was it really was wonderful and terrible all at once. Oh, that was great. Yeah, no, it, it kind of was actually. Sort of like being kicked right in the groin by a pair of steel toed British boots. <laughs> All right. So I thought I'd put a little smile on your face to end the day, sir. Oh, thank you so much. All right, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We will uh, talk to you soon. Thank you. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. All right. Uh, well, it's 122. Should we break? Let's so we're do not it. so painfully behind. Mm -hmm. So we're not so desperately poor and lonely. Uh, we'll break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Peter Carlin will join us at 2. We'll talk to Scotty J, who uh, leaves the Rick Emerson Show after this week. Scotty's uh, final week of the program. We'll talk more about that. And we'll have the top five 90s musical acts about whom we no longer think at all. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. You stay right there. Seriously. I oh. didn't know they were old enough to do. Uh, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Okay, I'm biting my tongue now because I'm a good guy. Do you remember? Oh, never mind. No, do I remember what? Do you remember last night that clothing idea I had? That idea I had for an exciting new uh, article of clothing to sell? Never mind. No, you need to give me give me something. Give no, me a little I can't. No, I can't. I I can't. I'll have to tell you off the air. Okay. I'm not gonna do it. But we were just sitting at the, we were sitting at Satyricon last night. But can uh, we between, turn off the microphones for a second? You can remind me. Uh, well, in just a second. Okay. We were we were sitting. By the way, after this band Desole, who was really good. I didn't know anything about them. Had never heard of them. I guess they're from Phoenix, as my friend uh, Simone would say. Uh, some uh, some band, bunch of Grizzly Adams looking bastards. Desole is the name of the band. I bought their CD and they. Um, yeah, they got it. They were really amazing. I'm a sucker for a band with three guitars, uh, drummer, bass uh, player, singer, and three guitarists, and just just a big. The CD doesn't quite have the same punch the live thing does, but it, you know it, it it rarely does it ever. But um, just a just, they sounded amazing live. You get a chance to see them. Desolé, they were really good. Um, no, I was. Uh, right, let's turn off all the mics for okay. a second. Hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to do it, but it's a great idea. Does it come with a man cane? <laughs> stop. Stop. All right, here's what's coming up. Uh, at 2 o'clock, we'll talk to our good friend and TV critic for the Oregonian, Peter Carlin. Later on, uh, top five musical acts from the 90s that no one ever thinks about these days. Uh, and we'll also have uh, a little bit more on the future career plans of Scotty J, whose last week is mm. this week. Uh, we'll bid a fond farewell to him uh, on Friday. In the meantime, in between time, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, Booyah. this is Tim Riley. 
So he's here, and you better get used to him. Larry Craig will not back down. He's asking the judge to throw out that verdict. Let's test the audio, Sarah. Do we have the Connect uh, TV brought up now? Is no. it XB oh. on the XB 200? Don't we have a? Uh, this is not like a made-up piece of equipment. It the does. XB 200. It is real though. Oh, I don't have the piece of paper that he wrote it on, which one it was on. Oh, darn it. No. Well, we'll find out tomorrow. Damn it You're all not missing hell. anything anyway. Oh, there's a, we have a piece of equipment here called the XP200 on which we can uh, we can now bring up this the, television. The television that's hanging on the wall uh, in here. This thing the, uh, on the telly, the magic Color box TV. that uh, there's no with the... Uh, I've got nothing. <laughs> Matt? Oh, right, it's a good thing that nothing bad is happening in the world of... Democrats gain oh, 30. But right Ow, now, oh. Democrats you know are not worried. At least I got it up. When the party wins a big All right, excellent. So there you go. So if there's news from now on, I'll be able to talk. So you should have trouble holding on. That's what everyone else does. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, we're visiting a story that happened right as we were leaving on Friday. That lady motorhome driver accused of running down her boyfriend and killing him. Well, we know she did it. Is uh, appearing at court today. She's 44-year-old Darlene Francis. She looks like she's 64. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Darlene Francis Harding... Harding. Oh, really? I wonder if there's any relation there. Oh, we man. don't know. That she is not 44. That's what it says, 44. Really? Yeah. She's had a rough life. The years haven't been kind. You know, we've seen a lot of people like that lately where they're... Faces of meth. We've seen a lot people of... Where their faces look a lot older than the rest of them? Yes. We've seen a lot of people lately where you see a photo of them taken in perhaps disadvantageous circumstances, and they look a whole lot uh, older than the legal documents indicate that they are. Well, that happens. Uh, <laughs> yes, it does. She is charged with one count of murder. Murder? After running over her boyfriend, 50-year-old Kenneth Delbert Rowley. Wait, I'm sorry. Charged with one kind of what? Murder. I barely knew her. Okay. Now, Rowley was killed after being run down with a motorhome driven by Harding at Northeast 60th and Prescott during a Friday afternoon show. According to witnesses, the motorhome dragged the man 20 to 30 feet after the driver had a fit of rage. And she left him dead on the street and took off. Now, did, they, did he live with this woman in the motorhome? Well, let's see here, Dave. Was it's that their place of residence? It really doesn't say. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I don't wish I would imagine so. past judgment, but any time a motorhome is your permanent place of residence, unless... Unless well, you could be rich. You, you are own it as a side limit. Well, that's what I'm saying. Unless you are uh, Henry and Peggy Hill, uh, uh, you know, Hank and Peggy Hill. I'm sorry, I'm confusing it with the other guy. Uh, Henry Hill, the guy. Unless you're a guy, unless you're a good fella. Unless you are Hank and Peggy Hill and it is an adjunct to your regular home and you use it to go to the coast and then to Vegas and then to back home for the, uh, you know, for, for Christmas. And in some places in the suburbs, they actually have separate parking lots away from your residence. But you know what? Let's take one look at that woman right there. You know that she does not have another more upscale permanent dwelling. You no. know that the motorhome was probably the place she lived. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that uh, I'm guessing it was not kept well. That's no. just my guess. I'm guessing it's infested with, with weevils. That's uh, You take a good long look. You know, she herself might be infested with weevils for mm-hmm. all I know. So uh, that's that. So if a woman offers to let you live in her really nice trailer with her, just to, and her last name is Harding, I mean, how many warning signs from God do you really need? That is a bad thing, isn't it? It really is. I mean, it's hard to... Re- Maybe they are related. We I'm don't know that. moving into this motorhome with a woman named Harding. I mean, how could you not know that that's going to end badly? That is kind of strange. Here's Tim Riley. Another weird story over another area of the state in the Bend, we understand... A bent motorcyclist died after hitting a deer that threw him off his bike into the path of a truck that ran him over. Oh, mm-hmm. that's bad. Uh, this happened on U.S. 20, approximately five miles east of Burns. He collided with a deer in the roadway. 
And then the collision knocked him off the motorcycle in the path of a passing Dodge Dakota truck. I wonder if the, the, I wonder if the collision with the deer had killed him instantly, though. Oh, and, well, he was thrown from it. So I guess an autopsy would have to... I guess maybe hitting the ground, because that's like three different things. Like, you, if, if the deer... I mean, depending on how he hit the deer, this is morbid as we're trying to analyze his trajectory and means of death. But, I mean, you hit the deer, and then you hit the road, and then the car hits you. So that's at least three different opportunities to die. Uh, I mean, it just seems like there was no... I Can I tell you this? Living in the Northwest, you see these all the time. You'll pass those signs that say deer crossing. I have never... See the deer cross? I have once, actually. I was going to say I've never hit a deer or any wild animal with my car. In fact, I will say this, Knockwood, I have never hit an animal of any kind with my car. Uh, I've never hit. Uh, I I've never hit a cat, a squirrel, anything like that. To my knowledge, I have never struck an animal of any kind with my car. Um, but once, years ago, uh, I was headed. I think maybe two were from Spokane, something like that. Uh, but there was a deer that ran. It was late at night, as it always is. It never seems to be during the day when these things happen. You always read these stories, and it's always at four in the morning, and it's pitch black, and the well, road is covered in ice. Is that well? I guess maybe, yeah. maybe they, maybe they charging for food or whatever. There aren't any people around. Maybe they're afraid to come out during the day or whatever. Yes, well, they don't want to be creatures. seen. But, um, but you would think at some point that it would be that they would have the tendency to run into the road, sort of, you know, weeded out of them. You hear in a headlight? Well, I'm just saying you would think that sort of evolution would dictate the deer that ran into the road would eventually be weeded out because they would be killed, and the deer that did not, you know, that knew not to get in front of traffic, that they would live longer and reproduce. And I don't know, maybe that's a thing that will happen at some point in the future. But um, I remember driving along one time, and a deer ran across the road, didn't stop, uh, I did not get the typical, you know, the, the archetypal deer in the headlights thing, because I guess that's the deal where they stop a lot of times and they are transfixed by the car and they stay there. This deer was sprinting across, went across the road, and onto the shoulder and vanished into the woods again. But i got to tell you, that will freak you out. Because I was going, you know, 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, something like that, uh, and the deer just ran across and vanished. And, I mean, that will, uh, that is terrifying, because you do realize, my next-door neighbor growing up hit a deer one time. And it just, and he was driving a big ass truck, and the deer was obviously killed instantly, but it just demolished his truck. I mean, caved in the windshield, destroyed the grill, the hood. I mean, you know, not to be disgusting about it, but I mean, the interior of the car, you know, you, mm. everything has to be reupholstered. It's, it's gross, it's horrible, then you feel bad because you kill Bambi and everything. Um,. But it's, uh, but whenever I pass one of those deer crossing signs, I those do have the desired effect on me. I slow down and I drive really carefully in those areas. You know what's really weird too, and Sarah probably has never seen these, but Tim, I know you have. In large sections of Southern California, when you drive along, there aren't deer crossing signs. There are these lady holding a kid running across the highway. Exactly. Yeah. There are these signs that are either uh, grimly amusing or just weird depending on how you look at it. And it's like a deer crossing sign. It's a state sign that's black on yellow, but instead of a deer crossing, it is a silhouette of a woman and uh two children mm -hmm. running. And clearly the implication is uh illegal aliens may be jumping across the road in front of your car uh as part of their journey to the new world so try not to hit them won't you please and i've never seen those anywhere but southern california i think for obvious reasons although they may be in other sort of border states um but the first time i saw that i didn't quite know how to respond i think the first time i saw one of those i actually stopped the car and looked at it for a minute you just don't really anticipate that but it's a it's a it's a silhouette of a and people will think I'm making this up, but you've seen them. There's a silhouette of a woman crouching and obviously running, holding a, a little girl's hand who is in turn, I believe, hold, holding, I think, what looks like a doll. Mm -hmm. And it's a silhouette of three people running across the road. 
and because apparently there is some sort of a problem with uh, illegals or whoever. Uh, and Victor remembers that all these kids have dolls. <laughs> you can spot them by their distinctive kitty carryall. Uh, it's it's just it's it's weird. So anyway, so yeah, don't hit a deer, man. That'll ruin your whole day. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's Melissa. How are you? Hi, Melissa. What's up? Well, two things. First, I'm sad to hear about Scotty J, but um, you were talking about animals. I hit a bear, oh. a oh. black bear. A bear? Like a, a full-grown as black in, bear? As in a black bear that was almost a 1,000 pounds. He's about 800. And this was in Pennsylvania a couple of years ago. Yeah. Not only did I hit, I thought I hit a brick wall. I have, uh, what, were, what were you brick, driving? I was driving a 2003 Chevrolet Cavalier that was in really good shape, and uh, when I I was driving um, on a, on a highway that was it was a major highway, but it was late at night and it was fairly dark, and I hit him, and thank God I hit him with the left portion of my driver's side of my car, or I'd be dead. Yeah, and then obviously he was he was killed, I imagine. Well, that was the weird part of the story. I hit him, and I just, I thought I hit a brick wall. My bag's deployed, you know, all that stuff. What is and it, I, let's stop you for a second. What is it like when your airbag goes off? Are you even consciously was, aware it of it? so bizarre. Well, first of all, I didn't see him clearly. I was driving a black car. It was dark at night. Sure. And then I hit a black bear, you know. Right. Well, I, I, you know, I got out of the car. I heard a weird noise, but I got out, and all I saw was a little, um, Oh, uh, what's those things? Uh, not a chipmunk, a raccoon. Right. I fall on the side of the road. And I'm like, this did this kind of damage to my car? <laughs> yes. You know, anyway, nobody went by on the highway, and I was near an exit, so I backed my car up and got off the side of the road, and I thought I hit a deer. I just assumed I hit a deer, and so I got my, they towed my car to the dealer, you know, the place, and the guy said, didn't you look at your tire? And there was about four-inch black hair on my tire. Uh. It was it, 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 it was about the time Sarah's car got that uh, happened. I just remember that I was in Pennsylvania. It freaked me out. The creepy it, thing is, if you didn't see the bear there, uh, there's a chance that I mean, the bear might not have been killed. He might have just sort of. God, he, I think I would have freaked. He I might have brushed himself off and just sort of lumbered they away. Him, they found him dead uh. um, off the site. But the. <laughs> The great part of the story is when you were talking about seeing signs on the signs on the side of the road. I travel a lot, and now when I drive at dusk and dawn, if I start to see dead deer on the side of the road, I pull over. Oh, it's the whole thing freaks me out. Just the idea that you would hit that because I, you know, and obviously you don't want to kill an animal, but also the idea that it'll come like you hit a deer, those things will come right through your windshield. I mean, that's no good. And, you know, I've known people that have hit turkeys, those big turkeys, and they've had trouble, too. And, and on a, on a lighthearted note, now people will say to me, well, what happened to poor Smokey? I'm like, he's dead, along with my car. Okay. <laughs> I have no sympathy for him. I mean, I, I'm a, you know, but. <laughs> he was asking for it. All yes, right. exactly. Thank, thank you, Melissa. All right. Oh, my God, they're turkeys. Hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's time for a Cleveland Clinic, Calloway. Oh, damn, damn, damn. Uh, it's time for a thing from where? From the what now? Uh, Cleveland Clinic, Calloway. Yes, it can be very frightening and confusing for the youngsters. Dr. Vanessa Jensen of the Cleveland Clinic is a child psychologist. She said it's not common for the kids to have nightmares. I think my oh, pot's... Oh, sweet Lord. Garza.
Oh, and I'm again not ready with the so Sputnik sound effects. So there are like six different buttons that you have to, to go from CNN to this. That's okay. I, okay. Don't worry about it. Most of the things we do for Halloween aren't going to have long-term scars on kids. But over time, <laughs> they can cause them to Except change the their behavior or to become more frightened. The main thing we see is kids who have short-term problems with sleep, um, becoming afraid of things like clowns or characters <laughs> in shows or characters on the oh, ice capades. It's wrong for me to laugh. Let's pay uh, special attention to the kids between 2 and 7. These kids may not understand the difference between fantasy and reality. If you're at the house and one of those scary kids comes up and your little one's there, if at all possible, ask the person to take their mask off for a minute. Like, say, oh, I know, that's John across the street. You know, take off the mask a second. At least peek under the mask a little bit so they can see it and they can laugh at it to help the kids, again, differentiate reality from fantasy. Or tell your child to quit being a pussy. I mean, honestly. Yeah. You know, if you don't expose your kids to terror and violence, they'll never become desensitized to it. Well, a construction worker fell off a roof to his death on North Lombard this morning. He's estimated to be in his 20s. He fell about 40 feet. It happened at what appears to be a warehouse at 145000 North Lombard. Uh, the Murphy Corporate Center is listed as the construction project at that site. The victim was an iron worker. The Six Pistols may be one of the acts that launched the punk phenomenon... But at least one band member says he's not exactly happy with the group's successors. Singer Johnny Rotten tells MTV he doesn't like modern-day punk favorites such as the Green Days, saying the group holds no promise and has no future. Uh, Rotten explains that he feels California-based uh, trio just jumped on the path that was already well-established. And that the younger musicians have forgotten about all the bands that did the groundwork and put together the punk movement. The pioneer, as he doesn't believe, uh, there's much thought or originality. Boy, can I just, John, is he back to calling himself Johnny Rotten? Yes. Or is he, because for a while he had moved on and was, wasn't going to... This article calls him Johnny Rotten. I hate that guy. I really do. And don't get me wrong, I love the Sex Pistols, just mm -hmm. like everybody. They had some great songs, some great singles especially. They are more of a singles band than an album band. If you listen to, it's hard to listen to Nevermind the Bollocks all the way through because there's just a bunch of long sections of crap on that record, but, I mean, they wrote some singles that are really fantastic. I mean, not just the obvious stuff like God Save the Queen, but, I mean, stuff like EMI and Pretty Vacant and whatever, but, boy, goddamn, he's just a tiresome bastard. Just go... He... Uh, he's so long ago just became uh, uh, just a parody of himself, and I, I it really... And I hate to say this, I wish him the long life and the best of health and the, all that, but it really would have been the best for everybody, and certainly for that band and their legacy, if they had all just been killed in some sort of horrific airplane accident. I mean, honestly, we all know that an early death is a great way to ensure rock and roll fame. I'm just saying, in terms of in terms of his his image and his legacy and the way that he is viewed, it really wouldn't have been the best for rock if the Sex Pistols had just released that one record, had that aborted 12-day tour of America, and then had the, and then it all just been the. You know, killed in some sort of mid-air collision somewhere because he wouldn't be around making these embarrassing statements that make him sound like an out-of-touch 75-year-old. Jesus. So there. Mm. All right. Let's do one more, and then we'll do the top five. So insiders predict that Don Imus will return to the airwaves December 3rd, this time on WABC in New York. He'll have a standard 40-second delay. Uh, Don is rested, humble, and ready for war. How could he be? He's like close to death. The sudden comeback, uh, sudden comeback is a defeat for those who protested and picketed Imus earlier this year. Uh, let's see here. He'll be interviewed by Barbara Walters in the coming special. You know, we're getting all of these calls and emails about people hitting animals with their cars. I think we're not going to take these calls, though, Scotty. No. It does seem, 
it does seem that we're we've hit some sort of a nerve with the audience. All all the same, I think it's not something. It's not a road we're not going to go down. So, uh, you know, the question remains about the Imus thing, though. And I should have asked. That was the other thing I was going to ask. Must um, be a six-figure seller, Lisa. About. Is it worth that much? I don't know. Well, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum about this tomorrow. I think he's I think he's on tomorrow. But my question is, who is going to go on the Imus show as a guest? Yes. I mean, his whole thing was interviewing all these political heavy hitters, and you know, and he was he, John Kerry was always going on there, and the uh, the Paul Begalas of the world, and he, you know, I mean, he, he really got Imus really did get A level guests, you know, Joe Klein, and just you know, a whole bunch of guys who are real power players in the Washington world, in the world of political uh, intrigue and, and so forth. But I can't even imagine who is going to sully their reputation by going on this program. And I don't get me wrong, not a knock on Imus, I don't care. I'm just saying it is what it is, and he's been tagged as being a racist, and I can't really imagine a lot of people are going to be beating down his door to come on as guests, which means it's going to be... somebody like Senator Larry Craig? Somebody who's currently in trouble themselves. That's a great idea. You know what That's Imus should be? Idea. He'll be the fixer. He'll be the equalizer. Yeah. The man you turn to when the odds are against you, if no one else can help you, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the I-Man. That's a great idea. I just... Yeah. I, I, just I should that... be the program director at WABC. All right. It's, you know... This goes badly. The job may be open, Tim. Scotty, uh, you can stay. <laughs> Scotty, we've got a promotion for you here at CBS Radio Portland. It still won't cover the mortgage, though, unfortunately. No. Anybody watch Mad Men, or can we talk about that yet? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes, let's talk about that. And then, is it hot in here? No. I'm wearing 81 again. I'm wearing two shirts, well, which wearing isn't helping. Yeah, you're wearing a striped shirt. I've never seen you in a striped Well, and I've got a, you know, like an undershirt underneath because I didn't want to sweat, and, you know, you get the sweat oh, through yeah, we don't want or whatever. So I, yeah. uh, uh, but, so it's 81. I've got two shirts on, and I'm right underneath a heat, like a heat-throwing lamp here. Feel like oh, that's some, I feel like a fast food hamburger. I'm here in the shade. Yeah. I uh, feel like I'm being broiled at a Chick-fil-A. Well, whatever. Uh, let's talk Mad Men, then we'll do the top five, then we'll get Peter Carlin. I, so did you watch Mad Men from last week? How great was that? It was the best episode yet. It's Especially during that scene when that kid thought he really had it, but yeah. he never really had it. I felt you, don't a little, after, you don't go after the guy with the biggest accounts in the place. I you. felt a little deflated by that at first. I thought, because I love shows where a guy gets painted into a corner and then he has to figure his way out. And for a minute I was a little deflated when, uh, what's his name, Pete presents Cooper with that evidence that Don Draper's a war deserter, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the guy doesn't do anything about it. And for a minute I, th- I, felt, like, I felt like it was a kind of a cheap way out for a second. I thought, well, that's a bunch of crap, because I wanted to see a confrontation, but my wife pointed out that A, he is the Biggest earner at, right. the, at the at he the agency. B that his boss is such a libertarian Ayn Rand, everybody for himself kind of fanatic that as long as the guy's making money, it doesn't matter. And C she pointed out that Don Draper not being held accountable for lying and being a, a war deserter, basically. She pointed out that that is very much in in tune with and consistent with the anything goes kind of culture that exists in Manhattan and on that show, regardless. Because what's her name? Peggy comes into the office, into Draper's office, and she's crying. And she said, "Well, I'm so tired of the powerful people around here being able to do whatever they want, and they get away with it. And nothing ever nothing ever happens to them." And then, bam! Don Draper is revealed to the boss to be a war deserter, and sure enough, nothing happens. So it is it, 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 it upon reflection. 
I am really satisfied with that. But let me just say this about Mad Men, which is a fantastic program. And by the way, I hate to keep harping on this Next one Next week's point. the last new one. But didn't it feel like a season finale to you? It did. It was so good, it felt like a season finale. So I can't even imagine what they're going to do next week. Mm -hmm. I hate to keep making this one point, but boy, you really look like uh, you you really look like that one secretary on the show, Sarah. Oh um, really? Miss no? Holloway, I think her name is the one who's having or was having the affair with uh, mm -hmm. with uh, with Roger Sterling. Um, Joan Holloway, her name is. You really have moments where you look a lot like a, a, a younger version of her, because I would say that she is in her 30s. Uh, but you look like a much younger version well, of her. Sometimes people in their 20s look like people in their 30s. That's true. Nobody we know, though. Well, certain types of lighting can age you. <laughs> certain types of lifestyle can, too. The rock and roll lifestyle, Tim. <laughs> Um, anywho, so, uh, but last week, and by the way, the thing about Mad Men last week is that it did confirm the suspicion. I had that whole interpretation a few weeks ago when Don showed up at his then mistress's apartment in the East Village, the beatnik mistress, and he had that $2,500 bonus check, and he said, he tapped her chest with it, and he said, you and me, let's fly to Paris right now. And we had this whole discussion on the show about whether... Whether it was an overnight thing, one of those flings that he was going to have like a weekend away from his wife, or my theory that he was right then ready to drop his life, his wife, his kids, his job, and everything and run away for good. And it was my theory that if his girlfriend had said, yes, let's go to Paris, that he would have vanished right then, chucked his whole family, his career, and run away and started a new identity in Paris with his girlfriend right there. She said yes. And I know my friend Patrick didn't think that was the case, and we, we were sort of on different sides of that. But I, will, I think I have been proven to be correct, though, because what happened uh, last week, as soon as his secret identity was uncovered, they, they revealed that he was not, that he had lied about who he was and his war record. What happens? He goes over to that, his other mistress's apartment, and he says, you and me, let's run away right now. New names. We'll start over. He was ready just to, just to flush everything. Um, and then it was just such a deflating moment for him when he tried to run away with his mistress and she just wouldn't. And she just said no and sent him back to the office. I mean, it was just, it was so great. Um, also, this, did you notice that he stopped seeing his girlfriend in the East Village yes. as soon as he discovered that she was in love with somebody else? Yep. As soon as he saw that photograph of her with the beatnik, mm -hmm. and he said, I can tell from this photograph you two are in love, he never saw her again. Yeah. Even though presumably he just wanted her as a thing on the side, as soon as he could see that she was in love with somebody else, he stopped seeing her. That guy, and also last observation before we do the top five, my wife made this observation, that as strong a male figure as he is, because Don Draper on Mad Men really is the definitive alpha male, that he always has to have a female to lean on because he's got his wife. He has the first mistress in the East Village. He has the second mistress who runs the department store. And then this, how haunting was that moment on the train when his younger brother sees him? Yeah. I mean, that I, can I tell you this? I don't make, this makes me sound like I'm a pussy or whatever, but I had, I don't want to call them nightmares, but I had very disturbing dreams all night about that show. Um, and about that sequence on the train where, it, this long story short, uh, he has, I don't want to say faked his own death, but he's in Korea. Um, or is it Korea? Yeah, it's Korea. He is in Korea. It's ten years before this. The guy he's with, the guy he's serving with in Korea is killed. Don switches dog tags because he wants to change identities. Blah, da, da, blah, da, da, blah. He is on the train home. They are unloading a coffin, and the family, who thinks he's dead, 
is there to see the coffin and they're all crying because they think he's dead. He is secretly looking out of the train window as his family receives the coffin that they think has his body. And the younger brother spots him. And the younger brother spots him on the train and says, he's not dead. He's right there on the train. And, of course, the family doesn't believe him. And the family's like, no, 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 your brother's dead. He's right here in the casket. And the brother sees him hiding on the train and says, no, he's right there on the train. And the train pulls away, and Don on the train sees his younger brother looking at him as the train pulls away. Uh, it's so haunting. I mean, it just it, I had, I'm getting chills right now. I had dreams about that scene all night long. But imagine what people could, could do back then because they didn't have photo IDs of any yeah, sort. Yeah, your driver's license was just, just your name. Paper. Nothing had your uh, your picture on it. You could absolutely just change identification. Uh, but um, but the, the fact that on the train, when at that moment that he was changing identities, what happens? A woman appears, and she says, don't worry about it. Let me go buy you a drink. So at every moment in his life when he has changed identities, there has been a woman there to help him with it. There's a woman there at every inflection point in his life when he changes who he is. So uh, just a, a fascinating show. I mean, it's unbelievably good. All right. Final episode. I can see Sarah, Sarah just turning off her brain right now. So I This guy says, thanks for the spoiler like warning. It aired like five nights ago, yeah. Dick. So, uh, Wouldn't that be a program that women, women might enjoy? I, I really do believe it is. Uh, let's uh, do this. Here's your top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. <laughs> counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count. Don't you? Don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, prompted by a great Onion News desk that I think will be playing again at 2.20. I think at the 20 break in the 2 o'clock hour we'll be playing this. And it was a great Onion News report about the puddle of mud. That band from like 1996, they did that She Effin' Hates Me song. Yeah. It was hilarious. You you really have to be listening at 220 today. We'll do this uh, Onion Radio News Desk about the Puddle of Mud singer. Um, and so, but that prompted me to do this. This is a list of the top five big 90s musical acts that we no longer think about ever at all in any way for any reason. With honorable mention, going to the Mighty Mighty Boston. Yeah. The impression that I get. I don't know what... Oh, this reminds me of... Oh, gosh, back... Reminds me of high school. Let's talk about a song I never got sick of. I never, ever got sick of this. And you know what? I detest ska with every fiber of my being, but it's the chorus that makes the rest of this worthwhile. Oh, I love ska. I went through a total ska stage in uh, high school where we'd get all dressed up on our platforms and plaid pants and stuff and wear red lipstick and kooky hair and then uh, take the ferry over to Seattle. Because there wasn't anything else to do in Bremerton, so we'd take the ferry every single weekend and go to ska shows. Really? So Great fun. chorus here. I mean, this is a huge hook. This is one of the best songs of that era. And I will say this. I, we're just on... We're on different sides of the ska equation. 
but that chorus is so good and so powerful, and that guy is such a great singer when he wants to be. Yeah, I met him once. Really? Mm-hmm. He's a big guy, he's, isn't he? He's very unattractive, but you meet him and like talk to him. And he's he's got a something. He is, yeah, he's sexy. He's got a certain something, even in the video. I mean, I don't pretend to know a whole lot about these guys, but even in the video, which is three and a half minutes long, you can sense he's got a little, he's got a magnetism to him. You can tell how great this song is because we make sure to stop just in time for the chorus. Every... What what did happen to these guys? They came out with an album after this one. That um, sucked. The sucked. There was the ska revival for a brief stint there. And then I think everyone just kind of got burned out on ska, and so there really wasn't any place for them to go. Because you mentioned Real Big Fish, too. Yeah, I remember seeing Money Boston and Real Big Fish the same day. And Cherry Pop and Daddy. Yeah, these guys mentioned these guys were on the Kiss tribute album. They did this fantastic version of Detroit Rock City. He's a fire-breathing vocalist. He really is. All right, counting on the top five 90s acts we no longer think about ever at all. Number five. Microphone off. Number five, arrested for development with Tennessee. Tennessee. Boy, I hated these guys from the beginning. I know that. I know that other hip hop heads or whatever will think that it's heresy, but boy, these guys sucked. They sucked from the very beginning. Who I, loves arrested development? Idiots. Hippies. You know who loved Arrested Development was a, just a lot of really, a lot of really white granola crunchers. They're really into Arrested Development because they were all, it was like some weird commune that had been given like a record deal. It was like some sort of weird hip-hop kibitz that had been given given a label deal. Yeah, they sucked. Counting down the top five 90s musical acts that no one ever... We're not even going to play more of this so I can make fun of it. It's not even good enough to make no, fun of. Bad, bad, top bad. five musical ni- uh, acts from the 90s that no one ever thinks about. Number four, the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. <laughs> That's Zoot so Suit r- Riot. Yeah. That's random. Looking I, in I your direction, even... Big Band Revival. I know they're on the Here's another thing I don't miss about the 90s. The first on this, too. God damn. Probably another thing you liked that I did not... It is the way with all musical trends that for every one person who lives through and enjoys a musical trend, there's another person who's just enduring it. You were enjoying I this. It. I endured it. I endured this for a couple years. There's a place called the Rock Candy in Seattle. Oh, yeah. Long since closed. Yeah, I have the Rock they, Candy. Yeah, but we go to shows there all the time. And again, I'm not trying to say that my musical taste is better than anybody else. It's just different. Uh, there's a lot of things in music that I love that I know other. Look, I got to tell you this. Everybody who loved, um, everybody who loved Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, I know that for 10 years before that, they'd just been enduring my musical taste. I know that all of the grunge kids just endured 10 years worth of poison so they could get to Nirvana. I endured 10 years of Nirvana so I could get to, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever it is we're listening to now. I didn't hate these guys so much as I hated the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Boy, I hated them with everything in me. And it didn't help that my wife just played that record constantly. I don't. I didn't have any reason for disliking this as much. I, I didn't dislike this as much as I did Scott. I think it's that this got. I think I felt like this got shoved on me as like a lifestyle first and music second, which is. I think the movie Swingers had a lot to do with that, frankly. I think there was a whole lot of. Um, I think I felt like this was being marketed to me as a dress code followed by music, and I think it should be the other way around. But you know what are you gonna do? These guys are from Seattle, aren't they? I don't know. I 
think these guys are actually from Seattle. I saw them in Seattle a few times. Were they good live? Yeah. I, saw... I remember seeing them once, and um, it was me and my friend Desiree and Tanea. We'd always go over there. But there, and we went and saw them at the peak of their success, and there were only like 20 people in, uh, in the rock candy. That's too weird. Bad. I saw, um, who did I see? It wasn't these guys. Who was the guy? Oh, it's uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. I saw them one time. They were great. Looking. I saw Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, too. Yeah, like they were really good. Again, great. Not really my style of music, but great players. It's, I think it's unfair for me to, to dislike them based upon, I think, some of their fans. I, just, mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was another one of those things where I felt so underdressed for the whole scene. All right, counting down the top five 90s acts that no one ever thinks about, ever, at Number. all. Number three, the Wallflowers. One headline. Uh, yeah, just for you, Sarah. Hate him. Yes, you do. Cherry Bob and Daddy's from Eugene. Really? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. I'm so oh. glad these guys have gone away. Uh, come on, unleash the hate. No. Come on. You know it. Hate. I hate him so much. Yeah. Don't talk about not wanting to be a fame glomer and then keep the name Dylan when your name isn't Dylan, it's Zimmerman. Yeah, you ass. I hate you. Bastard. You dick. But you know what? You've disappeared like so many mediocre things. Way to hit the post with that rant. Look at you. It makes my face hot. And the guy... It makes my face... Jacob Dylan makes my face hot. <laughs> not in the sexy way. No, not in a flushed kind of... Yeah. No. You know, and the thing is, they're just a singularly bland band. I could take his hypocrisy. I could take his smugness. I could take his, uh, you know, his uh, repellent good looks. I could take everything about the Wallflowers if they just didn't suck so badly. They're just... They're just so bland. They're not even aggressively bad. They're just uninteresting. Like they did, um, they did this version of Heroes, uh, the David Bowie song, and it's hard to make a David Bowie song suck. But I'll be damned if they didn't do it. I mean, they took a David Bowie song, which I thought was unruinable, and just rendered it unlistenable. Oh, f these guys. All right, counting down the top five music. Mm. I just turned it off. Thank I'm, you. Top five musical acts from the 90s no one thinks about ever at all. Here's Marilyn Brooks, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was delivered incorrectly, but it was gold. Here's Marilyn Brooks, bitch. I'm Tim Riley. I hate this song. Yes, she's from Portland, you know. Oh, of course she is. I hate the world today. Dinner. She's been trying to, so good to, me. Trying to be a hip mom. Yeah, no, and she's... With they were... tattoo, she's like, what a badass I am. I have henna tattoos on my arms. <laughs> I have a picture of something drawn on my skin. I wear some edgy black eyeliner. I'm 50 years old, but the record company says I'm 29. <laughs> I film all my videos in high contrast to the colors, so you can't see that I'm 100. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean it in any disrespect, but yeah, she was... I think you do. I'm just saying, she was double whatever they said she was age-wise. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see that even with all the MTV's technology, I could tell how old she was. Oh, she's got that stupid vocal affectation. Nobody likes that. No, I mean, it's a catchy song, I suppose. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the song, I guess. It's just it does that she sings it like this. It's it, it's got she's got like a Catherine Hepburn kind of a thing going on. She does. 
The worst thing about this was that the minute I heard it, I knew that fat girls were going to be singing it everywhere I went for the next six months as some sort of empowerment anthem. You know, I've been dreading the fact um, when rehab was going to make it into karaoke bars. Yeah. And then last night I saw a transvestite singing it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there we go. Excellent. And you know, can I just say this? Can I say what we all know? The chorus to this song or sections of it? I will guarantee you right now that there are 500,000 irritating women using this as the quote on their MySpace page. You know it's true. And with a big blinking flowery background and a picture of it like a winged nymph. And then like some sort of... You know, Breakdown. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, look at you. Hello, trying to be a little bit. <laughs> Hey, Scotty, do you want to hook up uh, our friend Peter Carlin here in a second? We'll just uh, we'll smush the things together. We'll just roll to Peter after this if you want to get a hold of him here on KCB Portland. Boy, she never even had a follow-up to this, did she? No. Just nothing. Like, I'm done. One song. I'm out. <laughs> no, she probably followed up with a ballad. Probably. But she's just like that chick from Evanescence. <laughs> You know, the ballad had her, like, it was like a slow piano ballad, like in the rain, like sitting at a lot of, like, like in a bench out Stop. in the dark somewhere. Oh, throw up in my mouth. <laughs> Can I just say this? Can I say an overlook, not an overlooked band, but a band from the 90s that you don't really think about, but who are still great if you go back and listen to it? That band is the New Radicals. Uh, they of uh, like You them. Get What You Give fame. Mm -hmm. You go back and listen to that whole record, that whole record is still really strong. I dig that guy. I really do. Her, not so much. Counting down the top five acts from the 90s that no one ever thinks about at all anymore in any way for any reason. Yeah. And at long last, it's number one, and that position goes to Helmet with Unsung. Do you remember Helmet, Sarah? No. Oh, they suck. Why well, do you remember Helmet, but I don't remember the song, do I? Now, here's the thing about this guy. The thing about Helmet is that this guy sounds exactly like Ozzy Osbourne. That's the reason they got attention. Because they sounded like Ozzy Osbourne with a sort of... It was like Ozzy Osbourne with like a Nine Inch Nails kind of chaser. That's the reason this got so much attention. Cue Ozzy rip off. this constantly when I was a rock DJ. And the thing about Helmet is, and this, these days are gone forever, that on the strength of this one song that he turned into the record company, they gave him like a $45 million record deal. And he then released this record that no one bought, and a follow-up that even fewer people bought, and then he retired from music, and I don't think the record company ever made back any of that money. I think the record company took like a $39 million bath on this band. It's like Veruca Salt, same thing with those girls. Baruka Salt, who on the strength of one sort of bad demo, got a huge deal that the record company never made any profit on. I mean, I'm first in line for hating record companies, but record companies have famously been screwed on any number of bands over the, over the years, and this is one of them right here. All right.
right, I'm done. Uh, it's 503-733. I've, I've had enough. It's 503-733-2970. We'll take one call, and then we'll welcome uh, Peter Carlin to the show. Why, uh, hello, sir, madam, is the case, maybe. Hey, Rick, John, this is Sean in South Texas. What's up, sir? Hey, did, did um, Alanis make your list? Uh, Alanis Morissette. Oh, she has a multiple hit. You know what? And just because she doesn't have a lot of hits now, she doesn't really. In other words, she's still part of the pop culture consciousness. People do still know who she is. She's been in a bunch of movies. She's uh, in, they, and they still know, play her stuff. You know, you, know. You, were, you were talking during the Meredith Brooks song about you know all the fat girls at the bars, you know, depressed and you know putting that line on their MySpace page. Totally. No. And that's Alanis. I mean, it's like the anthem for every depressed twenty-year-old out there. Yeah, I mean, but you know, Alanis's records still get played. Uh, and you I, know, and I, for, I forgot who it was that she'd broken up with. That you know, brought on all this anger. Uh, it was like some. I thought we'd know. retired this pop culture observation. Sarah, do you want to? Uh, the dude from Full House, Dave Coulier. Okay. The guy that's from Full House. That's who. Uh, yeah, that's who you ought to know is written about. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. All right, yeah, we we did a segment at one point, this is a long time ago, uh, about um, pop culture trivia and observations that we were no longer going to make because they were the province of every bad morning show DJ. And one of them was, <laughs> did you know the song is written about that guy from uh, Full House? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because every DJ who plays that song has to to make that observation afterward, and we're done with it. I wonder if that's actually even true, if so many people have said it, that it's just become reality. Well, if I was that guy, I wouldn't correct anybody, would you? No. I mean, clearly, that's the only reason anybody's going to remember him at this point. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show with a heart full of uh, something and a, I don't know, a bag in his basement full of, um, I don't know, the hair of soft, soft children. Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi. What what is that phrase I'm trying to do? What is that thing from uh, Hannibal, the Thomas Harris novel? Where that guy has a bag full of like, oh no no no, it's martinis made out of the uh, out of children's tears. That's what that guy has. Have you read, have you read Hannibal by Thomas Harris? God no. Oh, it's a terrible book. Don't read it. It's a it, you read it and you can feel sections of your brain being liquefied out of sheer stupidity and boredom. Yeah. It's like your brain is actually trying to commit suicide against itself to keep you from reading the rest of the book. This is how bad Hannibal is. Hannibal actually features a an antagonist who I swear to God, this is the moment when you know that Thomas Harris veered into self parody and that he's not really a very good writer and that Silence of the Lambs was a fluke. Mm. When he has a villain who I swear Swear to God, in his office, uh, contains a martini glass, and the martini is made out of the tears of children. And then, and then there's like a three-page description of how it is that he harnesses the tears to make the martini. And you're reading this going, I paid $17 for this book. And you well, can... But why does anybody even want to... I mean, I don't know. I just... That whole sort of genre of, 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 of horrific, awful, true-to-life style crimes, only worse... Just like it escapes me, I just have no interest in that whatsoever. I have no, I have all kinds of interest in the horrific and the awful. I just like it to be well written. And yeah, uh, that's it. I'm starting to realize that just as every bad band has one good song, every bad author has one good book. And Silence of the Lamb was uh, was that guy's. Yeah. So, all right. Well, what's up in the world of Peter Carlin? Well, I was in New York all last week. How's Dave Marsh? Uh, he's fine. Did you mention my observations about Sam and Dave? You didn't. No. No, that's all right. Okay, thanks so much. Um, so what is the, and I don't, I don't want to get into the whole thing about this because we talked a little bit about it last week, um, but I, I will ask you a question, and then I will make an observation to you. Do about, I get to answer the question before you make the observation? Yes. Okay. Does somebody need a, like, do you need some sort of a rub down? 
No, I'm just I was trying to get the ground rules straight. <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to make an observation about which I think I already know a little bit of your response. But the question is, what is the general uh, the general critical consensus about that new Springsteen record? I think it's generally pretty high. And is that, I mean, and I know that you are a fan. You don't find the slickness of it to sort of be off-putting. Because I, 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 the only reason I ask is I'm not a big enough Springsteen fan to really have a, a dog in the, in the fight, as they say. Yeah. But the people I know who are Springsteen fans, it's interesting because they also, it, it's almost a complete 50-50 split on it. I know that they're very okay. divided. Now, this is interesting because I actually saw Springsteen play last week at, uh, in New Jersey, and uh, I uh, talked to a whole lot of people, including Dave Marsh, about the, the new record. And because uh, I was doing my my music writing thing when I was out there, so uh, so everyone was everyone was a was a chatter about this very very subject. And um, you see, I kind of get it. There's certain tunes on the record, like like the the single Radio Nowhere. Probably in when I listen to it now, I think like you know this could have used a little slightly more raw production. But then there are these other just beautiful songs. The songs on that record, which totally are transcendent to me, are like uh, Girls in Their Summer Clothes and uh, and um, you'll be coming down, and those ones which are sort of, which 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 I think uh, spring off of his love for those sort of mid '60s pop songs, right. those kind of elaborate wall of sound kind of things. He does a lot of Brian Wilson type stuff on the record, just a lot of really cool um, percussion and bells and and uh, you know keyboards and things and harmonies, which I really love, and which you know he hasn't really um, emphasized in any serious way since Born to Run. And so, uh, you know, yeah, it's a little slicker than usual, but it's a whole other kind of sound. You know, it, it sort of springs from something that's always sort of been within his, uh, you know, his obvious influences, but just goes out a little, you know, further on that on that line. And so, you know, I mean, I think it's a really cool record, and one of my favorite things about it is that, you know, on some of those tunes, the sound is so different, you know, and, and so kind of, you know, uh, spectacular. I uh, read an interview in the New York Times uh, with Springsteen in which they, they talked extensively with Stephen Van Zandt, too, and Van Zandt said that he really liked uh, Girls in, in Their Summer Clothes, actually, is the song he pointed out to, which is a really, really great song. And a what was that interview? How did I miss that? Uh, it was like uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, you know, I did read that. It was, I think, the week preceding the album's release. Okay, I did read that. It was the front page of the, yeah, the art section. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Van Sant said that in the past, Springsteen would write and they would record these songs that were very, uh, I don't want to say slick, but very, very pop, very accessible. Mm -hmm. And then they would always sort of get caught in the name of... I don't know, weight or darkness or, or whatever it is that Springsteen felt yeah. like he had, like they weren't serious enough. And so Van Sant said he was really happy for his part to hear a lot of those songs actually make it onto the record. But it's not, you know, one of the, the things I heard earlier was that, oh, it's like a whole record full of pop tunes. Like someone described it once. I think it was Eric Alterman, the writer, said it was, and he had just, I think, just gotten in advance and listened to it. And this was a good month before the record came out. And he said it was like a whole uh, album full of uh, Sherry Darlings, you know, that very right. goofy tune off of the river. And I thought, oh, man, you know, I don't know if I'm up for that. But um, then when I finally started listening to the record, I realized, no, 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 no. I mean, there, there, there's sort of a pop structure. There's sort of a pop sheen around these. But there's nothing goofy about the, you know, the subtext, I mean, which isn't even really much of a subtext. I mean, these songs are all, in many ways, even the, the, the airy pop-sounding ones, have a very dark and interesting kind of, uh, you know, um, subtext to them. I mean, particularly like Living in the Future, which is one of the strangest songs. I mean, it's got this very classic Springsteen party sound to it, you know. It's got very classic sort of rock changes, you know, and, and the sound is, you know, with the, the, the saxophones up front and the bells and the organ and the whole thing, you know. But 
you listen to the words, and it's sort of like, I mean, it's take, it took me like 10 or 12 listens to begin to wrap my mind around what the hell he means when he says, oh, but don't worry, baby, we're living in the future and none of this has happened yet. You know, I mean, right. it's sort of like, that's a really, really interesting idea. But, you know, I mean, I'm still not sure that I know, you know, I mean, that, that, that I grok everything he's saying but it's 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 i think just it's a beautiful song what is it tell me a little bit about you mentioned the river which is a and i don't pretend to know a whole lot about springsteen but uh i was actually just listening to the river the other day because springsteen is one of those things that i always feel like i ought to listen to more springsteen than yeah, I you're do. right about that yeah i mean it just it, my wife has actually said the same thing to me i had the river playing and she actually came in and she said why don't we listen to more Bruce springsteen in this house and I, I, I had no response. I just sort of went, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. And I was listening to, uh, I was, I, so, I forget what so I was like, Crush on You or something. I was listening to the song. And those, and Ramrod, which is a song that I love a lot. And they, I hate that song. Uh, see, but I know, but you and I are sort of on opposite sides of coins when it comes I to things like this. I heard him play Ramrod like six times like in a year and i was just like god enough with this song <laughs> see and that's just one of those songs i hear it and to me that is just sort of grubby mechanic rock and roll like distilled to its purest essence in some ways because yeah. it's just big and loud and stupid and great to me well, see but i love big loud and stupid but it's like for whatever reason that song just doesn't hit my butt it is a little awkward to hear a man singing about you know letting his ramrod rock or whatever it is he says but i what do you know to what extent does uh, some of those recordings maybe then if not now to what extent are those songs recorded actually live or or do they do the track at a time building do you well, know the river was famously live i mean i think they, they recorded the vast majority of that because after um darkness he said you know i'm never going to do uh, overdubs again right and then he went off and recorded i mean and then the river was like the response to that very sort of studio centric sound that he had in born to run into a slightly lesser extent on uh, on darkness on the edge of town but um you know so that's all very raw in the studio sounding and the only thing um if you listen to the outtakes that ended up on from the river era that ended up on um tracks that big box set that came out um 10 years ago or so now um those have this amazingly the much more full sound i think just because it all got remastered or mixed in the sort of more modern era which makes me kind of yearn for a uh the river right um in a, you know in a remixed kind of format because there's so much more power behind the drums and the bass the low end on the this you know those Songs recorded, you know, in the same sessions, but just released years later. You know, the great thing about I was I saw this band last night called Red Hot Pistol. They're kind of this really loud, sort of abrasive bar band type. You know, just good sleazy bar rock. And the great one of the great things is they had this drummer, and it's like he hit the drums like they owed him money. Yeah. Which I always let Max Weinberg has that same thing, which leads me to the the larger board. You know, and I hate to say this because it makes me a bad American, but I've never seen Springsteen live, and. It, part of me almost never wants to now because I feel like I'm always going to be in the shadow of I didn't see him back in the day. You know what I mean? Huh. And, and you know, and so maybe that's a dumb reason. I I, I am actually kind of torn uh, about. And I don't know if he's coming anywhere near here on this tour. Yeah, well, yeah. Wait, we'll look for him in the spring. My brother-in-law is the opposite deal. He saw him in '78 at the you know with the Paramount, which was became the Schnitz. And it was so fantastic that he thought, well, I can't ever go again. I mean, I think what happened is that then he missed a couple tours, and, and suddenly it was 10 years later. Right, right. And he thought, oh, it'll never be as good. And so what would you say as a Springsteen fan? Is it better late than never for me seeing him live? Or Yeah, totally. I mean, he's great. I mean, yeah, it's not yeah, – there's certain things that you're not going to get that, you know, maybe existed 
20 or 30 years ago. But that doesn't mean that he's not like just an immensely talented rock and roll performer and, uh, you know, who's still, you know, on the far edge of his abilities um, this late in the game. I mean, uh, a lot of these guys I was talking to last week um, were saying, um, uh, like, you know, when it comes to I mean, this guy, Bill Flanagan, who was a great rock writer and now is the editorial director of VH1, I was talking to, and he said Springsteen is, I mean, and this guy's been around and seen a lot of shows and a lot of artists and a lot of interesting circumstances. He said, when Springsteen is playing great, no one is better. There has never been a better rock and roll performer than Bruce Springsteen. Well, just the stuff I've seen sort of live on television or live on DVD or whatever is, and obviously that's, you know, that's like watching it through five feet of plexiglass. Um, but even that is is just is 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 amazing. I yeah. Mean, well, just, he's uh, amazing. I mean, he's he's got that amazing catalog, and he plays it with you know, and he's an incredibly skilled singer and guitar player, and he sings and plays his songs with you know about as much conviction as anyone has ever said anything in a public you know on a rock and roll stage. I will say that the great thing about Bruce Springsteen is that, and he actually said this in that Times interview, is that he is. I think as he said it sort of dryly, he said, um, he said, I have never been known for my irony, I think is how he put it there. And, you know, he sells it. He does things that I guess could, in the wrong hands, would, would look silly or could be that other people would not take seriously. But he does it with absolute uh, conviction. What is, um, what's your take on, the, on this, to, to jump tracks ever so slightly, what's your take on the whole, the, the, the whole Radiohead uh, the thing, the, the defections from the record industry that were legion last week? Um, I think it's great. I mean, uh I'm not a huge Radiohead fan, but I, I, I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the thing is, you know, it's cool because you can download it and, um, you know, and the fans can pick it up and, and, uh, and eventually just end up getting rid of a middleman. So I'm, I'm sure they they make a lot more money, even if you just pay them a dollar for the record. They're probably making as much money from that record than if you had paid $18 from a record company. Um, and you don't mind just bringing it straight on your computer and you don't get the booklet and the jewel case and stuff. But, you know, screw that. I mean, those booklets, I don't know if it's because I'm becoming an increasingly middle-aged and cantankerous old fellow, but no, it's like I can't. You know, album graphics used to be really cool, and you could actually see them because they were large. They were as big as LPs. And now in those little booklets and stuff, I sit around and I'm like, I can't read this. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the hell is this? I can't read it. And I think, the, you know, the... <laughs> The place that 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 those that kind of um, the way that a band could establish something of its identity through graphics, I think now that's coming out on their websites. Right, right. And some bands have extremely cool websites with all sorts of artsy, groovy things going on in them. There was a great uh, piece in the New York Times Magazine interview with Rick Rubin, uh, who you know is the co-president now at Columbia Records. And, yeah. And he believes a that the subscription model for music purchasing is the, is inevitable, and b that the price for music itself as an a la carte product is approaching absolute zero because he pointed out that the two things a that now for a band you know the, the producing a you know you've created a record and then every copy of the record after that because it's digital costs you exactly zero to make and with the proliferation of file sharing what the public is willing to pay also is very low so yeah. that the cost of music is by sheer market force going to be almost nothing yeah. in the future so well he's the coolest I, I, you oh, gotta I dig say. that guy Absolutely. I know he's like the Ahmed Erdogan of his generation good reference sir thank you very um, much and, and I finally here uh, Mad Men so I, are you caught up on Mad Men 
Uh huh. So and I have the I have the next oh, this week. Oh no, you bastard! Have you watched it yet? No, I just got it. Okay. I, it came last week, but I just picked it up today. Is that the sound of you whacking it against your desk? <laughs> no, I'm looking at it though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where that is. I think I've actually lost that. Oh, sound thank God. <laughs> Scotty, where's my Peter Carlin whacking it against the desk sound? I don't even know where that went. All right. Um, I just have to say this. That um. Oh wait, here we go. Did you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. Okay, fantastic. I'm sorry. I was afraid that I'd lost that. <laughs> Please um, do. <laughs> um, I last week's Mad Men felt like a season finale. It was so dark and great. Well, it was just like The Sopranos. I mean, their oh, penultimate episodes were always like the most exciting, and then the last episode was just kind of mopping up. That sequence uh, in the train station where his brother looks at him, I was saying earlier that I actually had very sort of dark dreams about that all night. Yeah. It was just such a powerful image, and it, the thing about last week is it does confirm the suspicion I had a few weeks ago when he was going to see that girlfriend of his in the East Village or whatever, and he's like, let's run away to Paris. And I actually had some sort of discussions with friends of mine about whether or not he, if she had said yes, was he ready to drop his wife, kids, family, and run for good? And we sort of didn't know. But I think last week confirms that he is just at every opportunity, just one bad day away. Yes. Just chucking it all. Absolutely. He's got, he's yeah. got issues. He does not like to be needed. I think he loves to be wanted, but he can't stand to be needed. What I would really love, and this I'm sure was done for Tony Soprano because that show had, I think, a bigger profile than Mad Men does. I would love to see a, a real psychological analysis of Don Draper. You know, by a real shrink. I would like to know what a real shrink thinks that guy has going on inside. Because he, it's, it's just that he is so simultaneously this alpha male, but that at every moment is just, there's all of these cracks running underneath the surface that are threatening to Fisher. But wasn't he beautiful when he, uh, when he totally stared down uh, Pete Campbell? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, the look on that kid's face when he began to realize that he was his bluff was being called. Ending badly. And then and storming both of them running off to Cooper's office and having and, – and then his response was kind of amazing when it's like when Pete tells him this extraordinary thing about how Draper isn't really Draper and, you know, and he's got all this proof and Cooper just looks at him and says – who cares? Yeah, what does it matter? Yeah. I do you uh, do you think I mean is my read on that is that having been rejected in his attempt to run away with his other mistress that he just walked right into the line of fire with that thing because he has nothing to lose at that point. He just doesn't care. Um you mean oh Don. yeah, well that could be true. I mean um he uh <laughs> Maybe he was half hoping to get uh, sent away. I mean, Good day. I, on the other hand, I think also he realized that, uh, you know, he was probably smart enough to realize that he couldn't have this hanging over him. You know, once you get blackmailed once, that's right. it. You know, yeah. you're done. So yeah. he's just an amazing character. Uh, well, other than the Mad Men finale, which is this week, the season finale, what is coming up this week that I need to care about? Well, you know, 30 Rock just keeps getting better and better. I thought that, I mean, the first episode this year with Seinfeld was a bit of a downer, but, but last week's episode I thought was hysterically funny. Is the first season of that out on DVD? Because I feel bad that I haven't watched it. Yeah, it totally is. So I'm gonna, I should watch that and catch up on that program. Yeah, yeah. All right. And, uh, what else is coming up? Um, I'm sure there's other stuff, but that's sort of... Excellent. That's just what's on my mind. All right, my friend, you got to come pay us a visit in the studio one of these days. I know. I ought to. I should. I want to. Then I can, well, forget it. Okay. Whack it on the desk. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't, okay. I don't know where that sound is coming from, sir. All right. Peter Carlin, read him in print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Thank you, my friend. Right. Talk to you later. There you go. Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. 
you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. Fantastic. Back after this with Tim Riley. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Stay right there. Ah, okay. Thanks. Thanks so much. Come on, this is like one of this is like the definition of forgotten about that everybody knows. Oh, I can't tell you the many hours of my life I lost to listening to the CD at my wife's behest. It's either this or you know the best of the violent films. Oh, I did too. I was not with that album. Yeah, you know, you guys really get along well with my wife. You should all live together in some commune and just play a bunch of 90s alternative. Well, we were talking about that we're going to restart our book club again. You and Laura? Yeah, because we exchange books all the time, and everything she's ever given me, I've loved, and vice versa, I think. And she has my copy of The Devil Wears Prada, which she admitted to me last night. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Here's Tim Riley, The Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth. Let's in the same key. That's kind of weird. Uh oh, we have some very strange Britney news here. Oh, wait, is this Britney? It is, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your Britney watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio program. If her behavior over the past year hasn't been worrying enough, the troubled pop singer sparked two concerns over a breakdown after she allegedly called her ex-husband, Kevin Federline, and threatened to kill herself. According to a report in the British tabloid News of the World, a phone call made by Britney Spears to her ex about new visitation rules for the couple's children, the 25-year-old allegedly snapped, quote, I'm going to drive up a cliff. It's going to be your fault that I kill myself. <laughs> That's exactly the way to get your children back, by the way, is to threaten a vehicular suicide. Then she's seen speeding down Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles, which runs along a very steep embankment. Brittany blows hot and cold. I beg your pardon. <laughs> 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 That's it. Uh, no one knows what's going through her. Too bad uh, I'm not hot and cold. Especially her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, uh, oh, thank you. So uh, two weeks ago, a judge ordered the singer to give her two sons to Kevin while Britney was granted only supervised daytime visits. Her uh, lawyer filed an emergency motion seeking to modify the initial court order. Prior to losing custody of the kids, Britney was ordered to follow a strict set of rules in order to keep her seeing her children, including submitting to drug and alcohol tests, as well as going to counseling and taking parenting lessons. Which, by the way, I, I heard, that, that, that I think it's just been reported that she's already failed to attend some of those. Oh, and by the way, she's <laughs> threatening to drive off a cliff. That's fantastic. Excellent. Well done, Brittany. Excellent. There's your Brittany watch for uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. By the way, this email says, Rick, about Meredith Brooks. My drama teacher from high school dated Meredith Brooks in high school in Corvallis and had a yearbook with her signature in it. By the way, he's 53, so you should do that math. Here's Tim Riley. 
Of a 26-year-old socialite known as Paris Hilton is bound to change her party girl image after serving her jail sentence. Yes, there are a lot of bad people in L.A. Before, my life was about having fun, going to parties. It was a fantasy. I felt empty inside. I want to leave a mark on the girl. On the world. What? <laughs> <laughs> now, that's what Rick Solomon said. Hilton says she's now committed to uh, using her celebrity status for the greater good. Next month, she packs her bags to go to Africa. I'm scared. Oh, really. God. Are you I'm kidding scared? me? It's really dangerous uh, I'm there. I'm scared to go to Africa. <laughs> I've never been on a trip like this before. Yeah. Oh, talk about the PR people. <laughs> Africa scares me. Did she? Ex- ex- she really said I'm scared. Yes, it's, I've heard it's really dangerous. Did she? I, I've never been on a trip like this before. Did she? Did she explain what it is about Africa that scares her? As uh, if we didn't know. Apparently, you know, with those uh, people who might live there. Yeah. Uh, she's accompanied by a children's charity called Playing for Good. She'll visit schools and health clinics on a five-day charity mission. Uh, the trip will be filmed. Not surprising at all. Well. I love having everything documented. I hope to turn the footage into film. Imagine Paris Hilton. It shows people what everyday life is for me, how hard I work. All right. So, uh, yeah. Insert joke here about Paris. I'm scared, really. Visiting the clinic. Dangerous. I'm scared. Africa scares me. That's wonderful. Well done. Yeah, Paris. setting a good example for the kids. Very good. Just when you think she can't horrify the world anymore. All right. No. Excellent. Uh, Gloria Estevan's scheduled appearance on Dancing with the Stars is a no-go. Well, she isn't her spine still broken? I guess so. It was supposed to be on uh, tomorrow night. But because her mother's very ill, she cannot go. Okay. She had to rush home to Malibu to be with Mother. No word if ABC has found a replacement. She was supposed to uh, perform a Baylor from her new album, 90 Moolahs. Baylor. The record debuted at number one on the Latin Billboard chart. Bra- you know, I was going to say, Brittany, Gloria Estefan is another one of those, or Estefan, apparently, you know, as as, uh, as Natalie Hurley once said, doesn't it bug you when celebrities in midstream change the way that their name is supposed to be pronounced? Mm-hmm. I, I believe that for the first, like, ten years it was Gloria Estefan. Now it's Gloria Estefan. Or, like, Demi and Demi. Yeah, or, like, Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett. Pick a name! Uh, the thing about Gloria is that no one talks about her anymore unless you're in the Latin community. She was a mainstream success, and by mainstream, I guess we mean not, you know, on some sort of other chart. Uh, she was a regular Hot 100 chart artist for a long time, and now I think she's, like, almost solely just a Latin artist. So that's kind of weird. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, that's all I have for now. But tomorrow's going to be the big day because it's a terrorism exercise. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'll I wonder if anyone could it. take a picture of the bridge. Well, uh, I've got all kinds has, of emails. Has anyone from... sent it to you? No, people are. I've got many people who are fascinated by the idea that they built a two scale replica of the steel bridge like Hollywood. Yeah, I, I wonder if, um, well, you know, Dennis has contacts at PIR, Dennis Pitzenbarger. Maybe he could uh, look into take it. Take a picture? Yeah. Well, wouldn't you like to see that? I mean, the bridge so is. just a giant bridge sitting in the middle of it. I mean, it must be there now. It's not like they're going to build it tonight. It's not like Blazing Saddles where they're going to create some Potemkin village in three hours. I mean, it must already be there. That's what I'm saying. Somebody somebody go get a picture of it. Right now. Like that blowing a .08 billboard that, you know, they they came to the rescue. Somebody go take a billboard. We should have said this at 11. Somebody go uh, take a picture of that bridge right now and send it our way. We're not waiting any longer. By the way, Rick, uh, this says, uh, today's top five 90s bands no one cares about anymore is Oregon-oriented. Cherry Pop and Daddies from Eugene. Um, yes, uh, let's see, what else? Meredith Brooks and the Angels of Mercy from Portland. Uh, Paige Hamilton from Helmet were from Portland and went to Grant High School. Uh, no... I just rode my bike by there yesterday. Really? Mm-hmm. No, um, no PDX connection for the Wallflowers of the Bostons, though. 
Uh, blah, blah, blah. So there you go. Yippity, bippity. <laughs> Snicky, snacky. Wacky, cracky. <laughs> All right. Uh, and whatnot. Uh, should we take a break? Right across Thank his you. posterior. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of all the world. Oh, wait. We, before we break, we should Are you not clapping? Stalls. Oh, no, I'm, sorry. I was just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was distracted by these I, I don't do this for the applause. No, these... <laughs> you do it for the people. These might be about the bridge. Hello, sir. You're calling about the bridge. Yeah, I just drove up I-5 North, and I didn't see it standing anywhere over there. I wonder if or, they're lying. They may be putting it together. What if they're hiding? Are they hiding it now? Well, maybe it's laying on its side and they'll put, pick it up for tomorrow. Maybe it's only like wallpaper that they're hanging up. Maybe it's just like a backdrop. It's like a matte yeah. painting. Yeah. Like they used to. Do I'm so confused about this. You know, here. Okay. I don't want to get off into the whole thing. So we got a break. But even as even as I'm getting off into the whole thing, maybe what is the, camouflage? What is the purpose of having a, a replica of the bridge? It, are they theorizing in this drill is the bomb going to be set off on the bridge? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, and then casualties will follow. People fall off the bridge. And... But, I mean, what do you need a replica for? Like, the, the, setting off a bomb on the bridge will close the bridge, right? Yeah. And what's the X factor? Well, they want it lifelike. Right. They want real people falling to their demise. Hi. Hi, on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, I drove by PIR, too, and they've got a huge... I don't see any other channel, but there's a huge CBS Coin TV banner Right at the top off drill site. Maybe they're the sponsor. What? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I You're didn't kidding. see any like any other station, but there's a huge. It's the size of like a small drive-in theater screen. I mean, it's very big. Is this? You are joking. Is this like a dirty bomb sponsored by CBS? Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, what I, what popped in my mind is oh, someone must have realized there'll be a lot of media coverage there, so it's just in the background, like on scaffolding. It's huge. All right. Uh, All right. I got. I got to look into this. Thank you, sir. All right. Rick. That guy's called before. I think you might have pulled our leg before. We're yeah. calling Mr. Zinn. Yeah. Can you ask people him have been known to lie to us. What? People have been known to lie to us. No, people. Hello. Hello. Hey, Dave. Dave, do, you have Dave my, do you have my paycheck? Um, have you earned it? <laughs> I believe so. Hey, Dave, can you transfer me to Susan Reynolds? Uh, sure. Yes, monkey dance. Um, yeah, your paycheck is, uh... Being shredded. In the mail. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Bye now. Oh, God. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, yes. Well, that's weird. This is Susan Reynolds, oh. marketing director Ooh. at CBS Radio Portland. Please leave a message, and I will get back to you as soon message? as I can. Thanks. I don't know. I don't know well, if I should leave a message or not. I can't just want to be rude. I don't want to be rude either. I mean, because then I could just... You call them and be like, why is he not leave a message? Though, I don't understand. The whole thing with the whole... Uh... Yeah. Okay, bye. All right, that's it. I'll take a break. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Don't call. The show's almost over. Uh, like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7. We'll wrap it up after this. Don't go anywhere. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Um, yeah. Well, some things not gotten through today. We'll get to them uh, tomorrow. So yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, we need more Scotty J too. Yeah, I know. I feel bad about that. But then well, the Monday's top five went long, and then the Harlan thing. Uh, tomorrow we will talk to Scotty J, including a twenty questions round to figure out where it is he's going after this. Uh, this is Scotty's last week with the program, so we'll talk uh, a lot to him tomorrow and in the coming days as the Rick Emerson Show prepares to bid Scotty J farewell. 
Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents uh, Lisa Desjardins, Jim Roop, and Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio, proud part of the CBS radio family. Uh, in the newsroom, Tim Ryder, the PA is Scotty J, and of course the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. As always, my friends, don't let the bastards grind it down. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. See you tomorrow. Like us next. Bye now. Bitch.